Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. My message is that we'll be watching you. (laughs) This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 26th of September, year of our Lord, 2019. And welcome back to the bunker. That's right, we moved this whole shit show down in the basement. Got a little section set up with some soundproofing, and next month we'll wall it off to a complete cubicle where you will no longer hear birds and dogs. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. As you heard on our intro, today we're going to go over this Greta Thunberg, UN, and all the hysterics that still are going on with climate. We're going to go through Operation Impeachment, some general damn stuff and news and social media nuggets. So that soundbite right there, um, as we'll go through, for me, is not awe-inspiring. Up front, she's autistic. She already has a mental illness. Her parents are just douchebags. I mean, on a level that I can't even articulate how much of a douchebag they are. Um, 
That kid at 16 shouldn't be doing what she's doing. And she's been doing it since she was 12. But the most surprising thing is I don't have a lot of media coverage of her outburst. There's no sound bites that are off the wall. There is of a certain type. I'm only going to play one network that, that played it, but all of them did. But I think even for the left, they understood this was a bridge too far. 16-year-old kid over the top, a la David Hogg. And I don't think it does their cause good, and neither did a lot of people. So let's just get into it. Critics lambast melodramatic Greta Thunberg speech as a child abuse. Critics responded strongly to a speech given by far-left climate extremist Greta Thunberg in the United Nations on money, saying the apparent level of emotional distress she appears to be dealing with constitutes child abuse. Thunberg made waves if she gave a melodramatic speech warning of a mass extinction while attacking capitalism as a fairy tale of eternal economic growth. Thunberg, who repeatedly declared, how dare you in an arrogant manner, also claimed, you have stolen my dreams of my childhood. Critic weighed in on her speech, calling it child abuse, disturbing, exceptionally creepy, scary, insanity, fanaticism, and propaganda. Federalist editor David Hirasay tweeted, The idea that they can use a kid as a political shield gives her immense coverage, and then no one is allowed to talk about the substance of her argument because she's a kid. It's just silly. It's the same with gun control kid. He says tons of ridiculous things are then amplified by the media, yet people get mad when you point it out. Hey! Don't use kids for your political causes. I hate when either side does it. But the left does it way more than the right. You hear a lot of uh, my kid asks me, why is that man president bullshit since Trump got elected? It's it's what they do. Human Events Managing Editor Ian Miles Chong tweeted, Am I a bad person for thinking children shouldn't be used as political props like Greta Thunberg? Federalist co-founder Ben Domasech tweeted, We need to have a national conversation about the rising problem of arrogant teenage Swedes. <laughs> Republican strategist Chris Barron tweeted, This is straight-up child abuse. I hope the left is proud of the way it treats everyone and everything as disposable pawns in their game for political power. He nails it. Because that's what this is. He said it on the show. I'll say it a couple times during this segment. This is not about climate. This is not about the mass extinction. This is about political power. That's all it is. Um... Elijah Krauss tweeted, This is heartbreaking and disturbing to me. Environmental activists and her crappy parents have stolen her childhood, not capitalism in the UN. Isn't that true? Radio host Jason Rance, This isn't powerful. It's insanity. Dave Raboy tweeted, All of you climate activists are lunatic communists, and if you think your hysteria will result even in the smallest political concessions from the people you're longing to enslave economically, you're sadly mistaken. No one fuck. Not one fucking inch for your lunatic death cult. Conservative commentator Eric Erickson. Children of the corn level scary here. They're going to move quickly to violence to overthrow democratic governments. CNN law enforcement analyst James Gagliano. This one surprised me. Can't imagine an 81 as a 16-year-old lecturing my parents, high school teachers, Reagan administration, House Majority under Speaker O'Neill, United Nations General Assembly, other foreign government leaders, or any adult for that matter. You are still not mature enough, tweeted Charlie Cook. 
the same people who say we can't criticize 16-year-old Antifa climate activist Greta von Thunberg spent months shamingly attacking the Covington Catholic high school kids just because they supported our president, said Candace Owens. Yeah. She then said, one day, Greta Thunberg will realize that she's a victim of child abuse, not climate change. I generally find the video circulating of her to be sad. The left is stooping to new lows with blatant example of child exploitation. Stephen Miller, when you hide behind teenage kids like Hogg and Thunberg and use them for human shields like you are now, what you're really saying is, hey, my political arguments can't be made by functioning well-adjusted adults. It's totally true. I mean, A, this is no different than Hogg. Who are you talking to? And why do they think her doing this is going to benefit their cause? That's the part of this I don't understand. I don't think yelling at world leaders and saying, how dare you, while you're half crying, was the approach you want to get to get people to get on board of your cause. Because remember, your cause is not saving the planet. Your cause is taking over all governments, socialization of every program, mass employment for their causes, which means green stuff, the annihilation of fossil fuels, no cars. I mean, seriously. That's not what people want to do. So you send out a 16-year-old to talk down to everybody. But the media is all in it. This is a New York Times journalist. Greta, drag them, sis. They thought it was fantastic. They just thought it was a fantastic. And AOC and company, I'm not even reading their tweets. They were all on board. But then Henry Rogers walks into their fucking office and guess what? There's a thousand post-it notes on the tree, on the wall. A thousand. No shit. It's like they caught her eating hamburger, but we're not to eat hamburger. It, it's the key problem with climate alarmism. You don't live by your bullshit. You eat beef. You fly all over the country. Greta Thunberg was lauded for fucking sailing a boat over here. But they flew that fucking boat back with carbon offsets. That's what they did. They planted some trees to um, offset it. But you still flew. Because you can't sail back. Here's some media hysterics, because I just got to play them. It was the week of we have to just keep accentuating the world is on fire. We're all going to die. It's strange, everyone always asks me about Donald Trump, Uh, but I mean, my message for him is just listen to the science, and he obviously doesn't do that. So, I mean, I, as I always say to this question, if, if any, no one has been able to convince him about the climate crisis, the, the urgency, then why should I be able to do that? So I'm just going to to now focus on on spreading awareness and that people in general will start caring and realize how big of a crisis this is. Good. 
president's critics say he does not take the threat of climate change seriously enough, if at all. So environmental activists decided to draw attention to the issue by shutting down, and I mean completely shutting down traffic here in the nation's capital. Correspondent Ellison Barber shows us tonight. Hundreds of climate activists shut down at least four major intersections in Washington, D.C., disrupting the morning commute for thousands. Some chained themselves to ladders. Others used metal pipes and wires to lock onto a painted sailboat a few blocks away from the White House. D.C. Metropolitan Police say they arrested at least 26 protesters. Most held their positions for hours, ignoring the honks of frustrated commuters and the heat of saws police used to cut through metal and get to the wires protesters used to tie themselves together. The protesters had their arms through the pipe just over here, the one with the duct tape dangling off of it. They slashed the tires, all of it meant to be a hard blockade, trying to slow down police efforts to remove the group. It has taken police about two hours to get to where they are now. The key demand, a Green New Deal that moves the U.S. economy to 100% clean renewable energy by 2030 and phases out all fossil fuel extraction. On Twitter, critics said the protest itself is problematic, that stalling traffic only causes more pollution. Supporters say they voted, they've called senators, and this is their only option. We've been pushed to this point. It is very centralized in a few very wealthy hands, this crisis, but affecting those who are worst off. This is actually finally beginning to affect and get the attention of those who are in power. In Northwest D.C., I'm Ellison Barber. So one of the things, you, you come from the world of business, and that's important because this has sometimes felt like a uh, business versus people argument. It sometimes felt like a Democrat versus Republican argument. It should be neither of those things, right? Everybody who breathes and drinks and eats and lives should be largely on the same side. We can disagree as to what the remedies are, but we shouldn't be disagreeing about what it is. You have long believed that this shouldn't be, first of all, governors can be very influential in, in changing things with respect to climate change, and that this shouldn't really be partisan. Oh, the children, they, they are, some of them are really very sensitive to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, and grown-ups, I mean, some of these people who, don't, who are denying climate change, they're going to be dead. And they don't care, apparently, about their grandchildren. They only care about their 401ks. Mm -hmm. And this kid is saying, is calling them on it. Mm -hmm. And it's disgusting. I don't think that's fair to say they don't care about their own grandkids. I don't uh, think. That's what it looks like to me. Well, th this is, this is <laughs> what it looks like. Maybe all gonna guilt be might work. We're all going to be killed off. It might. Well, I, will say, I, I agree with Joy in the sense and that, that grandparents kids, love their grandchildren. Kids are but so do you fearless. understand how that sounds to people when, when they want to have a rational conversation about climate change and you say, you know what, your grandparents, you don't love your grandchildren enough? Well, I, that, I, that's, I, I, don't I don't know about the productive I way stand by that. Okay. I stand by it. I do. We'll be right There's consequences to this. We'll see some consequences when we get in our dem section. Um, I think that's the byproduct of what the Dems are doing. I mean, if you really break it down, kids are scared of everything now because of them. So in laid with all this craziness, we had the strike. Then they had the shutdown D.C., and I mentioned it briefly, but it, it happened. USA Today, shutdown D.C. aims to disrupt the system that created and perpetuated the climate crisis and blocking key intersections across the city to disrupt traffic. Ah, so they're going over to China and India where the real climate problem exists, right? 
because that's really where the climate problem is. USA Today writes, activists calling for action on climate change were disrupting morning commutes across Washington, D.C. Monday morning, just days after hundreds of thousands of demonstrators alongside school children for global climate strike rallies. Shut down D.C. aimed to disrupt the system that created that perpetuates the climate change and block key intersections across the city to disrupt traffic. Before 8 a.m., major intersections like KN 16th Street Northwest and New York Avenue and Florida Avenue Northeast and a Capitol Street have been blocked by the protest. Cam Edwards, nothing like make it, making tens of thousands of cars idle in traffic to show you're serious about fighting climate change. And isn't that the truth? Because there's a map showing they literally shut down major... I mean, there was 10,000 cars idling. They had nowhere to go. There was just nowhere to go. So, of course, you're idling cars and putting out more carbon monoxide than you actually would be if you were just driving your fucking car. He showed uh, Julio Rosas will give us a soundbite for it, but he also gave uh, birth strike climate change. A lot of that. Dancing in the streets. Big signs, uh, confetti, which is litter. They were throwing it on cars. Clamp. They were chanting climate justice now. Sorry. That's one bad part about being in the basement. Every once in a while, the dehumidifier is going to kick in, and I don't want to shut it off for the two hours it takes me to do this show because it'll make it moldy down here and nasty because I live in the south, so... There'll be a grr every once in a while, and then it'll shut off. More confetti thrown by climate protesters while chanting, hey, hey, ho, ho, fossil fuels have got to go. Here's a sample of traffic jam caused by shutdown D.C. climate protesters. And it's it's really bad. D.C. police tell me some of the climate protesters handcuffed themselves to a boat. They handcuffed themselves to a boat to stop from being arrested. That'll save the planet, this guy says. D.C. protesters managed to chain their arms in tubes around the boat, forcing police to cut the tubes to get them out. Here are some of the signs at this climate strike. And once again, I hate to repeat myself, but when you add all this up in a nutshell, liberal politics is all about intersectionality liberal protests are all a clusterfuck of a million things, right? But these signs unequivocally reek of Occupy Wall Street. When we first started this, early aughts, destroying capitalist things like Starbucks and Seattle, and they had all those terrible protests. It was the beginning of Antifa. They just changed their name. But these signs eat the rich. Every billionaire is bad. 100 corporations are responsible for 10% of global carbon, or 70% of global carbon emissions. Stop blaming yourself and others. Capitalism is the crisis. The Democrats aren't coming to save us either. We must save ourselves and our communities. Build your community talk to your neighbors with a big A for Antifa and it sounded like this we have brought ourselves to the brink 
of an unsustainable planet in one generation. And we only have one generation to bring us back. We do not have the time or the luxury of incrementalism. Right now, our entire economy is unsustainable. The inequality in our economy is unsustainable. Endless extraction of fossil fuels for private corporate profit is literally unsustainable for life. My concern over all this is that it just keeps ratcheting up. The Conversation, a liberal website. It's time to ban climate denialism in the media. A piece from Creaky News on our decision to ban climate change deniers from commenting on our site and why, according to Chris J. Warren, the media has a responsibility to stop them. We believe conversations are integral to sharing knowledge, but those who are fixated on dodgy ideas in the face of decades of peer-reviewed science, that's not true at all, all right, none of this is based on science, um are nothing but danger. It is counterproductive to prevent the evidence and then imme- present the evidence and immediately undermine it by giving space to trolls. The hopeless debates between those with evidence and those who fabricate simply stalls action. As a reader, author, or commentator, we need your help. If you see something that is misinformation, please don't engage. Simply report it. No opinion. Chuck Todd, start it. This is where we're at. And it was, and I put it here because this this is the the frame of reference. Thanks to Chuck Todd, we cannot have a discussion about how to address climate change. The only way to ch- affect t- climate change is to do the Green New Deal, do a socialist takeover of the entire world, be borderless, everybody be gay, abort all kids because you can't have children, planet can't sustain people anymore for some reason. And we're using it for politics. Why do we use it for politics? This tweet, though sarcastic, I believe, the entire media establishment and Twitter went batshit crazy because of the following by Donald Trump. She seems like a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see. That's what he said. CNN, 
President Trump mocked Greta Thunberg. She changed her Twitter bio to echo his comments. Absent from the conversation the UN Climate Action Summit was the United States, one of the world's largest emitters of greenhouse gases. And then they met each other. World leaders were kowtowing to a 16-year-old girl. Trump just walked out. And this is how the media handled what is being called the stare. Online, it is Greta Thunberg outdid Trump because this petulant school child glared at him. But this isn't about politics. Remember that. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell you think you're doing? Could I almost say he's a nigga? Thank you very much. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. A teenage climate activist stares down the president at the U.N. At the U.N. today, teen climate activist Greta Thunberg blasted world leaders for inaction to stop climate change. In her speech, Thunberg warned politicians that they are failing to protect the planet. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Social media lit up over this shot of Thunberg glaring at President Trump as he arrived at the U.N. And a remarkable address at the United Nations Climate Action Summit today, 16-year-old activist Greta Thunberg making some of her most impassioned remarks, furious at world leaders for, in her words, failing to act on greenhouse gas emissions, leaving the damage to her generation. Here's what she told world leaders gathered at the U.N. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? And after her appeal, this moment making news, Thunberg seen in the lobby as the spotlight then shifted back to President Trump. The president early in his administration took the U.S. out of the Paris climate. Then all the print media did stories like this. Greta Thunberg, evil-eyeing Trump at UN Summit is the Internet's hottest new gift. If looks could kill, we'd be looking for a new president right now. Once again, it's okay to kill the president. We'll see that in our hate section today. Teen climate activist Greta Thunberg said all with her eyes when she saw President Trump at the United Nations Climate Action Summit on Monday. The 16-year-old shot the U.S. president a death stare as he passed her in the U.N. headquarters in New York, and the moment was caught on camera. The Swedish teen who sailed to New York with a zero-mission yacht to avoid environmentally caused repercussions of flying said before departure that she had no plans to speak to Trump during her time in the U.S. Why would I waste time talking to him? when he, of course, is not going to listen to me. I can't say anything he hasn't already heard, she told a reporter. Just to listen to science obviously doesn't do that. On Monday, Thunder delivered a fierce rebuke to world leaders. And then they go on to list that what she said was great. Yeah. The U.S. president, who has not been slated to attend the summit, appeared for 10 to 15 minutes of the event, listening to remarks by Indian Prime Minister Modi and German Chancellor Merkel, The Hill reported. Twitter users were quick to pounce on the moment Trump walked past Thunberg. Greta, this is just a 
It's still a Twitter moment, which we'll go to in a second. Greta Thunberg glared. Donald Trump is giving me the energy to get through Monday. You know, I don't think Greta Thunberg likes Donald Trump. Greta Thunberg staring straight into Trump's dark, cavernous soul. The other politicians met Greta Thunberg on bending knee for a photo op. Then Trump walked in and breezed by without a glance. Don't know if you saw the video of Greta Thunberg evil-eyeing Trump. It inspired me to pay homage, homage to Tarantino. It became viral of fucking a scene from fucking Pulp Fiction. And people were like, oh, it's the same. The Hill. Video of Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg crossing paths with Trump following her forceful speech at the United Nations on Monday quickly went viral across social media. Oh, it was so awesome. It was the best. They break up. They just... Uh, uh, the, the New York Magazine. Greta Thunberg accidentally warns, warms the globe with her scorching glare. BuzzFeed. Thunberg delivered a powerful speech and then shot a death stare at Trump online. Again, I will say that I'm a 21-year-old Army veteran who just retired last year. And with all that experience, I would go to war for Greta Thunberg before I would for Donald Trump. Commander-in-chief, my ass, the entire world, including me, dogged him and called him a turd. Pictures of the lady from Bear Island from Game of Thrones. That's who she is. Dinosaurs, asteroid, Greta Thunberg. Uh, this was huge. When the debate is lost, slander becomes a tool of losers. And I tweeted that guy. And her new feed, a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright, wonderful future. This one was viral. When haters go after your looks and differences, it means they have nowhere left to go. And then you know you're winning. I have Asperger's, and that means it's sometimes a bit different from the norm. And given the right circumstances, being different is a superpower. Which is what set everybody off. She's already mentally impaired and her parents in this climate extremist movement are using a mentally impaired child as their moniker. Now, does anybody out there think if the conservatives used in fact, we have. Remember when the Down Syndrome individual spoke on the right to life, being pro-life. The left and the media disparaged it because they're mentally impaired. But now, you know, Greta Thunberg, who's all sorts of fucked up, and it's okay. It's our normal hypocrisy in regards to liberal stuff. Then CNN International, The Hill, the whole world, the kids suing Donald Trump over an action on global warming are marching in the White House. The suit filed on behalf of youth by the international law firm Hausfeld contends that world governments are violating children's rights under the UN Convention on Right of the Child. The convention drafted in 89 is most signed human rights treaty ever crafted and lays out the inalienable rights of children. They include, among others, the right to life, health, and peace. And because he won't turn us into a socialist nation and ban carbon fuel, they think they have a case, which will go nowhere. 
Bloomberg, Meatless Mondays. That's a big thing now. Can't eat anymore. Can't. And then they ran how newsrooms across the country are covering the climate crisis. It's a huge article that pretty much outlays the same stuff. Brainwash. Brainwash. You will brainwash. You will not be able to say, hey, no, we don't want to get rid of all our cars. Hey, no, I don't think it's right to shut off the electricity. Hey, no, I don't want a socialist country where everybody has a chicken in a pot in a house and works for the dear leader. They're just going to brainwash you know, that little cabal was a nice story I put out, how the media, 150 newsrooms came together. Now, it's propaganda. They're going to ram this shit down your neck. Twitter, of course, being part of the cabal, suspends user for questioning climate activist Greta Thunberg. Jim Slater, those that attack the 16-year-old climate activist on social media should perhaps bear in mind that she has been diagnosed with Asperger syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, and selective mutism. And remember, she's just 16 years old. On Twitter today, a very large number of adult men all over the world cyberbullied a 60-year-old girl with autism. She's the victim. It's hostage video. Nope. She's not the victim, was a reply to that. Can't have it both ways. Use a child as a political prop, push her out there, and then act incredulous when criticism gets mounted. If people really care that she's a kid, then the adults hiding behind her need to stop. True. AG conservative. This is painful to watch. She's clearly legitimately upset because she has been fed insane doomsday propaganda and can't comprehend why everyone else doesn't believe the same thing. Doing this to kid is child abuse. She is right that she should be in school across the ocean, but she just has the culprits wrong. It's her parents and those enabling her that have stolen her childhood. With that said, this is an important threat on a topic of children with Asperger's. This is clearly what's going on, which is why you shouldn't be mocking this girl. The problem is the people who put her in there. Road bear life. And this is a long thread, but I think it's important to read to get it all out. I was not going to do this, as I do not like too personal information on the Internet, but the latest Greta Thunberg video is too impactful. I do not care what one believes about the climate, but I do care that people understand what's happening with this young lady. I have a child with high-functioning autism, a.k.a. Asperger's. Not every person with this syndrome experiences all the resultant effects, and the effect vary by degree. Sometimes you cannot tell if a person has Asperger's at first blush, but it will eventually emerge. Two common characteristics that seem to follow in all cases are literalism and rigidity of thought. Literalism. Think about that. She's being fed that we're, we're in a mass extinction. That's a belief, not a fact. A mass extinction would mean everything's dying, not a few species, which is what's happening. Sorry, I lost my part. Also, also hyper-focus on narrow topics is common. 
Asperger's was known as a little professor's disease because Asperger kids could become experts in narrow topics. The expertise is not a creative expertise, but a root one. Causation and emotional understanding are difficult for Asperger sufferers, especially children. Asperger sufferers also are very strict adherents to the rules once established in their head. This ties to rigidity. If an Asperger sufferer establishes a set of facts in their mind, it is very fixed. It is so fixed that even contrary facts presented to them are rejected in favor of previously established facts. If the counter-information continues, the sufferer becomes frustrated. The frustration turns to hurt and anger because of the literalism, rigidity, and the way their minds attach to rules and items they've already established as concrete. The concrete fact is often the first fact on the subject they hear. Now imagine a person with these predisposed inclinations hearing for the first time the Earth's atmosphere is heating at an incredible pace. Humans are causing this rapid heating, and the whole planet is going to die if it's not fixed in 12 years. These three items for a person not on the spectrum can be weighed, evaluated, and put into perspective. Contrary points can be reviewed and expectations adjusted. For an Asperger sufferer, this is not easily, if at all, achieved. The anxiety compounds. You have both the anxiety of being told you're going to die, coupled with the anxiety and frustration of having contrafacts butting against your established facts and literal implications. Parents of children with Asperger struggle against this convergence every day. How does one teach perspective and thought flexibility to a person whose mind demands literalism and structured facts? This is why some Spectrum people are great coders. The answer is a pat. Pa- Patiently doing so, demonstrating the safety of exceptions to rules and alternatives. When I see Miss Thunberg, I see all nine F, the frustration of my child, with none of the attempts at perspective and flexibility of thought. In some ways, Spectrum people appear robotic because of their rigid mindset, but they are not. They are frustrated, hurt, angry. For a person like me, seeing her rigidity makes me unhappy. However, seeing her frustration and tears at UN makes me angry. Those pushing her into the spotlight on these issues deserve shame. She is not a robot. Her beliefs are tainted by spectrum that frames them. So it's being compelled into corners her mind is difficulty navigating and does nothing but feeds her fear of literal death and frustration that her mind's eye does not square with the messy, gray, emotional world. Asperger sufferers must learn to navigate these areas. These areas are instinctive for those of us not on the spectrum. No matter where you are on this issue, remember, Thunberg view is not your view. Someone should be helping her navigate her rigidity and anxiety, not using it as an automation prop. Yeah. But remember, this is how we treat children on the left. Brittany Sellers shows the other side of it. We've beaten to death that she's a mentally impaired child being used as a prop, and she's probably going to fucking die early because of it. But they show she shows a picture of her and Covington. Brittany Sellers, both are kids, but you're only allowed to criticize one of them. And that's why conservatives are fired up about it. We just went through this. Covington kids could be called pieces of fucking shit. They tried to ruin their lives. They got some of them not, they couldn't go to their colleges anymore. That was okay. 
because they're wrong. Adam Bess sums up the left. Conservatives are referencing the Covington students to defend attack on Greta Thunberg. They went to the protest against women's rights wearing manga hats and mocked indigenous people by doing tomahawk chops. She spoke to the UN about climate change. These two things are not the same. The report by the firm that investigated the Lincoln Memorial confrontation found that Covington students did in fact use a tomahawk chop to mock Nathan Phillips and other Native American conservatives love to push the narrative that it's all the media invention. It wasn't. The entire world, Adam. If the only way you can make a point is to lie, presumably to justify the hatred that left us heaped upon Covington Catholic kids, then you really have no point. Best to sit this one out, and they show counter stuff that it's not true. That was a liberal firm who tried to backspin and help liberals and the media. It's not true. They have these kids... So brainwashed, 3,300 signed signatures for no future, no children pledge. These kids are not going to reproduce. Now, part of me thinks this is an even more evil plot than what I you know, what we already know it is, a political takeover of youth, a political takeover. They get these kids involved in anti-gun. They get these kids involved in pro-women, uh, pro-gay, uh, climate change. They hook them in so when they're 18, they'll vote for them. But I think there's a subplot. You can call me a tinfoil hat wearer right now. If they can get white kids, which is the majority of the climate, not to reproduce... They get the ethnicity they want. Remember, we're still a 70% white country. But they've been telling you for years the demographics are changing. There's no way conservatives can win because only black people, women, gay people are ever going to win. They've been saying that. And then Trump comes out and just throws a monkey in that wrench and it's not true. And then they just don't even say anything about it. When people call them on it, they, you know, the media just spins it back. The liberals spin it back. That oh, that's not what we said. Da 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 da. So I wonder if some of this is by design. We get these kids not to reproduce. Whites continue to decline in America. We the liberals run it. The problem with that whole thing is that the liberals running it are white people. And it always makes me question African Americans, Latinas, people of color across the spectrum, why would you support a party that talks a lot to you but does nothing for you? They don't improve your life one bit. A black president didn't do anything for you. It took a white president to improve Latina and black unemployment. Under Obama, it just kept increasing. But I, I truly have a hard time with all of this not putting on a tinfoil hat and questioning the motives of these people because they have these kids freak the fuck out. We'll have a Camelia Harris soundbite. They, they, they're just relentless. Guns are going to kill you. It was AIDS was going to kill you back in the day. The planet's going to kill you. Conservatives are going to kill you. 
if you're gay, Latina, black, there are roving bands of white kids killing you. None of it's true. But considering the higher percentage of autistic kids and the youth nowadays, sometimes I believe it's just bullshit because they didn't get any discipline, so that's why they're all fucked up. They take this shit to heart, man. So we have a quick soundbite on the concept you can't treat kids different. And it'll roll, it's a Laura Ingram one, and then we'll roll into another montage of kid hysterics from the daily caller music break about milkshakes in the yard and boys and shit because i can't get that stupid song out of my head so it's the first time in a long time we're gonna play some uh <laughs> some fucking hip-hop on our podcast and then we'll come straight in to the impeachment. I would love to go into Dems, so play that Harris one because it flows really good, but this is the main news of the day. The Democrats decided we're going to do something to ensure Donald Trump gets reelected. We will not let you get away with this. The world is waking up, and change is coming whether you like it or not. I, anyone else find that chilling? A time of tribulation has come. A test is at hand. The final test. I can't wait for Stephen King's sequel, Children of the Climate. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. Uh, we have been polluting the earth for years, and uh, we might actually die in a few years. Our world is already in flames. It's getting hotter. We can't breathe. We are here because our parents trashed the planet, and it's up to our generation to save it. Unlike so many people my age, I feel really visceral anxiety about climate change. Call us Generation Z, the last letter of the alphabet, because we are going to be the last generation to survive. My conscience couldn't handle the idea of bringing someone into a dying world. I'm angry because this planet is dying, and the president of the biggest country in the world refuses to acknowledge that. And I'm sick of the people that think For the people who are suffering and dying because of our country's decision. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Our oceans are choking with trash. And the sixth mass extinction is well underway. We do not have time to be polite. This is a revolution. It doesn't matter how much we're taxed if we don't have an earth to live on. We need to do more instead of having a corrupt president who won't acknowledge that the earth is literally dying. This is environmental racism and we must acknowledge the issue. We need to listen to our children because they totally get it. Because every day of inaction drives more action from us. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones.
touch if you're smart. La, 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 la. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi now demanding the Trump administration turn over that secret whistleblower complaint. Is this evidence of a new impeachable offense? That was a dramatic escalation from Nancy Pelosi yesterday. George, we are seeing a real shift here on Capitol Hill when it comes to the question of impeachment. Even Democrats who so far have been reluctant to go down this path are saying this may be changing their calculus, that we may be at a tipping point. Now, Nancy Pelosi notably did not even mention the word impeachment in that letter, but she certainly is hinting at the possibility. While, George, on the other side, Democrats here have been pushing for impeachment for some time are growing increasingly frustrated. They are outraged with their own party's muddled response and refusal so far to impeach. Yeah, the numbers of how Democrats calling for impeachment has been steadily increasing over the last several weeks. Besides opening impeachment investigation, what are the other options for the members of Congress? Democrats demand the White House hand over that explosive whistleblower complaint hinting at impeachment if it does not happen. This morning, the controversy is growing and calls from Democrats for impeachment are intensifying. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who has resisted Democrats' calls for impeachment, toughened her tone Sunday. Pelosi calling the allegations a serious possible breach of constitutional duties by the president, warning if the complaint isn't turned over to Congress, the administration will be entering a grave new chapter of lawlessness. The controversy is adding to the growing calls among Democrats for impeachment. On Capitol Hill, calls are mounting among Democrats for impeachment. How Mr. Trump's outreach to a foreign power is prompting new calls for the president's impeachment. Biden is calling for the House to investigate, but he stopped short of mentioning impeachment. Other Democratic contenders went further. We need to absolutely right away begin impeachment proceedings. He's got to go. How many crimes does this president have to commit before 
Congress will act and impeach him. Raising new calls from Democrats that he should be in. Tipping point, talk of impeachment reaches a fever pitch on Capitol Hill. Pressure that is building on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to pursue an impeachment investigation against President Trump. The ground has shifted dramatically the last 24 hours when it comes to talk of impeachment. Calls for impeachment growing after a new revelation. This revelation comes as pressure to begin impeachment hearings grows from previously reluctant Democrats. Seven House freshman Democrats who've been reluctant to move on impeachment now say it's time to go forward. Yeah, George, this is a very big deal. Now these members are telling the Speaker to go for it. They are clearly giving the Speaker political cover here to consider impeachment. As the number of Democrats open to impeachment now reached a tipping point. All this is pushing House Democrats closer than ever to supporting impeachment. On impeachment, are we now at a turning point? It does seem like the dam is breaking on the Democratic side. The, action of the, tr- the actions of the Trump presidency revealed dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. Well, you saw that soundbite. If we were doing our normal segment that I've only done once, but I want to start doing, the media pushes the left. Well, this is the case. Network's morning show hyped 17 times impeachment. Then during the day, prior to Pelosi dropping the end there, that she's going to start impeachment process, which I thought they've been doing since he got elected. So, I mean, I don't know why this is new. 73 times. It was uttered 73 times on our media. Then Pelosi drops a second tidbit, which is pretty much what we expect it to be. They're doing this because they're afraid he might win. What's more serious is that he can't win. That is very serious to our country, to us as America. What is America? America is our Constitution with our system of checks and balances, a republic, freedom of expression, freedom of the press, the guardian of our democracy, the press. That's one. That's America. You know, for me, I wonder if they're seeing their internals. Now, remember, we all have polls that go through our media. That's always biased, 39% is Democrat, 34% Republican, and the rest are independent. So we always have a liberal slant in all polls. That's how they do it. They say they base it off the last voting demographic, but you and I know it's just, it's bullshit. That's not true, but whatevs. I wonder if they're seeing their extremism is turning off the electorate. I mean, you're going to see polls all the time that say everybody beats Trump. That's that's what we're going to see. We've been seeing it since day one. Sorry to take a drink. Um, but I wonder when they distill it down to a 50-50 game, they don't win. Because they're so extreme. I mean, all you've gotten out of the left is we're going to take your guns, we're going to take your car, we're going to take your coal-based electricity, We're going to let people abort babies to college. We're going to make sure that illegals are all legal. We're going to open our border. We're going to give everybody fucking a chicken, a pot, and a house. Everybody's going to do green jobs. You can't say this. You can't say that. I'm going to ban speech. 
not a really bright future for anybody other than the far, far left. But the impeachment was about the transcript, all right? But right up front, Tapper, all right, goes to the air and says, well, even if you get the transcript, it's going to be a lie. And then once the transcript's released, Schumer goes, well, the transcript's not enough because we're going to move the fucking goalpost. Followed by Brett Baer going, what the fuck is this about? This afternoon, President Trump announced by tweet that he will release the, quote, complete, fully declassified and unredacted transcript, unquote, of that phone call with the Ukrainian president tomorrow. Two important caveats on that. One, this is a White House that has falsified information before, from showing a doctored hurricane map to promoting a video that an outside group altered of a CNN reporter. So who knows if this transcript will actually be complete. Second, the whistleblower's complaint about President Trump is about more than just that one phone call, according to members of Congress who have been briefed by the intelligence community inspector general. CNN sources said that the inspector general referenced a, quote, sequence of events. On that whistleblower, more breaking news this afternoon with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, tweeting, quote, we have been informed by the whistleblower's counsel that their client would like to speak to our committee and has requested guidance from the acting director of national intelligence as to how to do so. We're in touch with counsel and look forward to the whistleblower's testimony as soon as this week, unquote. We need the complaint. We need the complaint of the whistleblower as sent to the IG. It's nice to have the transcript. We don't even know right now if the complaint is about the transcript, in part or in whole. And without the complaint, we don't know what the IG thought was so urgent. We do not know what the whistleblower thought was so urgent. So simply to release the transcript is not going to come close to ending the need of the American public and the Congress to see what actually happened. Brett, you were just talking about the reporting on all of this leading up to this moment and what we have heard from Democrats so specifically remarking on what would appear in that transcript and now. Well, I mean, just look at the evolution of the report. You had first that the president was going to withhold funds and demand an investigation. Then you had that he mentioned eight times the Bidens and Biden investigation. And pressure. And pressure. Uh, And the quid pro quo would be clear. None of those things are in this transcript. As we mentioned, it's implied because he and Democrats will say that he's talking about... uh, you know, foreign aid and the aid to Ukraine and then says, I need a favor. But he mentions Biden once. He doesn't mention the word investigate or investigation anytime. He says, look into. Um, my point is, is that the reporting ahead of this was was not and, right. And, it's, and now it's, it's going to evolve. And you're right. And it's going to shift but back to, you know, remember, we're placing this on. He broke. His oath because he talked to a foreign leader. I mean, never mind that the inspector general found whistleblower had bias in favor of rival candidate of Trump, report says. And the whistleblower was never there. And more importantly, that Obama did this, and the media had no problem with it. 
President Obama was far from Washington today in South Korea for a summit with world leaders on nuclear security. But he couldn't escape presidential politics, not after a live microphone picked up a comment that he made to the Russian president. Senior White House correspondent Bill Plant is traveling with the president in Seoul tonight. Bill? Scott, President Obama and outgoing Russian President Medvedev were still deep in conversation as cameras were ushered into the room. And President Obama was overheard giving Medvedev a very candid political assessment of his ability to deal with the major problems between the U.S. and Russia. All of the issues can be solved, the president told Medvedev, but he stressed that it was particularly important for incoming Russian President Vladimir Putin to give him space on the missile defense system which the U.S. and NATO want to install in Europe. This is my last election. Yeah. After my election, I have more flexibility. Republican presidential contender Mitt Romney said the overheard remark signaled that the president plans to cave to Russia on missile defense. That is an alarming and troubling development. This is no time for our president to be pulling his punches with the American people. White House officials shrugged off Republican criticism as campaign rhetoric. But Scott, they did acknowledge the president's remarks. And in a statement, they said, since 2012 is an election year in both countries, it is clearly not a year in which we are going to achieve a breakthrough. Bill, thank you. That's breaking the oath of office. That's going around. I mean, literally, if the the right wanted to impeach Trump or, or the right wanted to impeach Obama, they could have done it. But the difference between the two parties is that Republicans don't play with it. People say, oh, you're full of shit. Remember Clinton, like Sally Cohn, went on a tweet screed about how it's not the same. He perjured himself. He said he did not have sexual relations with a girl, and then he admitted he had sexual relations. That's perjury. That is high crimes and misdemeanors. But Obama went around the Constitution all the time. Iran deal? Going around Congress. He didn't have the right to do that. We had no problem with it. That's the problem with this whole thing. It's not that, once again, for those that are new to the show, I could give a fuck about Trump. It's about, you can't have it both ways. You can't, under your president, do whatever the fuck you want on executive orders, do whatever the fuck you want with fucking foreign policy, and then when the next guy does it, stop all of it with fucking liberal judges. From immigration Just like Obama stopping certain nation states that don't have nation states anymore from allowing people to come in here because we can't screen them, they stopped that. Transgenders in the military, Obama just flipped a pen. Trump flipped it back, tried to stop that. I mean, everything. Kids in cages, Obama did it. We didn't report it. Now we do it. Oh, it's in the world. I mean, it's just disingenuous. You can't have it both ways. Andrew Clark, hey everyone, if you're not reporting on the favor line from the transcript without mentioning that the very next sentence is about wanting an investigation into meddling in the 2016 election, you're being misleading. It's right here. Come on. President, I would like you to do us a favor 
though, because your, our country's been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with the whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server, they say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the Attorney General call you and your people, and I would like you to get in the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, the whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance, but they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. President Zelensky, yes, it's very important for me and everything that you just mentioned earlier. For me as a president, it is very important and we are open for any future cooperation. We are ready to open a new page on cooperation relations between the United States and Ukraine. And before I start playing the media and talking about the media, then in comes Zelensky. And what's the first thing the media says or questions about this? And listen to his response. Yet, we're still going to impeach, supposedly. President Zelensky, have you felt any pressure from President Trump to investigate Joe Biden and Hunter Biden? I think you read everything. So I think you read text. I, uh, I'm sorry, but I, I don't want to be involved to democratic, open, uh, uh, um, elections, elections of USA. No, you heard that we had, uh, I think, good uh, phone call. It was normal. We spoke about many things, and I. So, so I think, and you read it, that nobody pushed it, pushed me, yes. In other words, no pressure. Because you know what, there was no pressure. And you know there was, and by the way, you know there was no pressure. All you have to do is see it, what went on on the call. But you know that, but you could ask the question, and I appreciate the answer. Go ahead. You've read everything confirms that the transcript's not made up. But that's the media pushing the left. They say it. They go with it. Somebody says, and I think this is is important to fucking hammer this point. So what Pelosi's endorsing is a continuation of existing investigations the six committees are doing to determine whether to recommend articles of impeachment. And assuming they do recommend articles of impeachment, judiciary will vote on those articles before full house do so. So what Pelosi seems to be endorsing is essentially what already has been happening. But now she's signaling she's supportive of calling it an impeachment inquiry with the goal to determine whether to go impeach Trump. Uh, for one said he would continue his effort to get Trump's taxes. Pelosi is directing our six committees to keep doing what they have been doing. This isn't a change. She just said it because her base and AOC and all these people and all the people on the fucking, all the people out there on the stump running for president have kept saying it over and over. So she's got to do this or she's going to lose her fucking goddamn leadership to a youngin. So now instead of just calling it, we've been investigating this motherfucker since day one, found nothing, but now we're going to call it an impeachment. The media, though, goddamn, if there ever was a section pushing the left, I I said it, but I got to say it again, this was it. They were, oh man, they were so supportive of this decision because they are actually the ones, the far left base of the Democrats is our media. They want him impeached. 
We begin tonight with the very rare and historic move in Washington late today. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, after months of urging caution, telling fellow Democrats to follow the facts, she was before the cameras a short time ago saying President Trump has, quote, seriously violated the Constitution. Speaker Pelosi saying no one is above the law, announcing an official impeachment inquiry will now move forward. It comes after the president acknowledged he brought up Joe Biden on a phone call with Ukraine's new president and just today talking about why hundreds of millions of dollars in U.S. military aid to Ukraine was being held back. So tonight here, what comes next? What has Speaker Pelosi now set into motion after declaring the president must be held accountable? And this evening, the president calling this a witch hunt. What he says he will now release. And all of you at home know this official impeachment inquiry is a very rare move. And the decision does not mean the House will ultimately vote to charge the president with high crimes and misdemeanors. So let's bring in ABC senior national correspondent Terry Moran. He's live in Washington. He covered the last impeachment involving Bill Clinton. And Terry, uh, still so many unknowns here. But take us through this. What happens next? Well, David, uh, this is a historic day, no doubt about it. The momentous step by Speaker Pelosi, but we're a long way from any kind of vote to impeach President Trump or remove him from office. Here's how it will go down. Facts and evidence. Speaker Pelosi has instructed the six committees that are already investigating President Trump to, quote, proceed under that umbrella of an impeachment inquiry. Depending on the facts and evidence they develop, articles of impeachment could be drafted then on bribery or high crimes and misdemeanor, that sort of thing, and then perhaps voted on. As I say, we're a long way from that. This is a momentous step, but it's clear that Nancy Pelosi would not have taken it were she not prepared to take that step. She does know one thing, however, any impeachment requires the support of the American public in a very big way, and she's proceeding cautiously because we begin tonight with the very rare and historic move in Washington late today. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, after months of urging caution, telling fellow Democrats to follow the facts, she was before the cameras a short time ago saying President Trump has, quote, seriously violated the Constitution. Speaker Pelosi saying no one is above the law, announcing an official impeachment inquiry will now move forward. It comes after the president acknowledged he brought up Joe Biden on a phone call with Ukraine's new president and just today talking about why hundreds of millions of dollars in U.S. military aid to Ukraine was being held back. So tonight here, what comes next? What has Speaker Pelosi now set into motion after declaring the president must be held accountable? And this evening, the president calling this a witch hunt. What he says he will now release. And all of you at home know this official impeachment inquiry is a very rare move. And the decision does not mean the House will ultimately vote to charge the president with high crimes and misdemeanors. So let's bring in ABC senior national correspondent Terry Moran. He's live in Washington. He covered the last impeachment involving Bill Clinton. And Terry, uh, still so many unknowns here. But take us through this. What happens next? Well, David, uh, this is a historic day, no doubt about it. The momentous step by Speaker Pelosi. But we're a long way from any kind of vote to impeach President Trump or remove him from office. Here's how it will go down. Facts and evidence. Speaker Pelosi has instructed the six committees that are already investigating President Trump to, quote, proceed under that umbrella of an impeachment inquiry. Depending on the facts and evidence they develop, articles of impeachment could be drafted then on bribery or high crimes and misdemeanor, that sort of thing, and then perhaps voted on. As I say, we're a long way from that. This is a momentous step, but it's clear that Nancy Pelosi would not have taken it were she not prepared to take that step. She does know one thing, however, any impeachment requires the support of the American public in a very big way, and she's proceeding cautiously because 
Very important historic announcement uh, from the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, announcing today the opening of what she calls an official impeachment inquiry into the president of the United States. Uh, she repeatedly suggested there were violations of law, there was uh, violations of the Constitution, and as a result, it justifies the beginning of a new phase in this entire impeachment potential process. Uh, it, it, it's really hard to overstate how historic this is. As Manu said, it's just, you can't even, you, it's barely a hand, uh, one hand that you can count on how many times this has happened. And it is a last resort. The House Democrats feel that they have reached that last resort. I just want to go to Speaker Pelosi's words here because I think she captured so brilliantly the moment we're in, which is a moment of, quote, utmost gravity. That's what she described as the congressional uh, responsibility. Uh, if indeed it comes to passing articles of impeachment, utmost gravity. And that's the moment that the country finds itself in. This is going to be uh, a circus-like atmosphere because that is what we've seen in our history. But that should not be, that, that should not undermine what this moment of gravity is for the country. This is those foundational principles of the forming of our country, that whole notion of checks and balances, of co-equal branches, that's what's being tested here. And what Speaker Pelosi says, yes, violation of law, but it's not just the violation of law. It is a breach of the president's constitutional responsibilities. That combination is what brings the, the House Democratic Caucus to this moment of utmost gravity. Remember the day, September 24th, 2019, a day that will live in, in, well, let's see, let's see how it's remembered. The Speaker of the House announced a formal impeachment inquiry against this president, making him only the fourth to face a serious impeachment threat. What a club to be a part of. Think about it. Andrew Johnson, Nixon, Clinton, now Trump. We may see a new wrinkle in the potential Trump impeachment, a non-compliant Senate. Not only are Republicans loath to move against this president, but experts suggest that while a Senate trial is contemplated in the Constitution, it doesn't have to happen. McConnell might just hold a vote, cancel the trial. But the ultimate test here is how each side views its duty to the people in the Constitution as captured in their oath of office. Principle must win out over pragmatism, facts over farce, High crimes over hype. The interests of the people over politics. Easy to say, but as we've all seen, hard to do. They may hold a vote in the House, less likely in the Senate, but all will be measured by what they... History here, it's being made. We came to the Hill tonight because of it. You can feel it around here. Your thoughts. You know, I was thinking about President Ford's inaugural address uh, there in the East Room in August of 74, uh, not to run too far ahead here, when he said, we're a government of laws and not of men. Uh, the Constitution works, the system works. And I think for so many people who've lost faith in the system of checks and balances of Montesquieu through Madison to our own day, this is a day to say the system is showing signs of life. And it's far, 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 far from over. But ultimately, the checks and balances that have served us for 243 years have a chance now, again, of perhaps saving us from our worst instincts. Well, wouldn't it be ironic, Chris, if the Russians tried to help 
get this president into office and a scandal over Ukraine helped to, uh, to, to bring him down. In 2016, we had a populist spasm. And what we're going to see right now is whether the people who have supported this president for other reasons will, in fact, follow the facts to their logical conclusion. This is a great test for the relevance and role of fact and truth in our politics in the mm -hmm. 21st century. Yeah, and of yeah. course, the strength of our Constitution in this 21st century, does it still matter with the limits of power? The one thing that uh, frustrates me about this Congress has been it's getting into the weeds. And you ought to be able to see it when you see it, like they used to say about pornography. If you can see it, you can see it. If you don't see this as corruption, this misuse of authority, this abuse of power by a president, if you don't get it, you don't need to have more hearings on it, made more document demands. But all the time, this I'm hoping that they get, we're hearing they're going to move quickly on this. They're going to act quickly based on the information they get this week in terms of acting on whether to proceed towards the articles of impeachment. But my worry is they'll hire a bunch of lawyers again, hire a bunch of staff, do a lot more whatever, whatever, and just put it off and off. And by the time this thing cools down, nothing happens, not even a vote up or down. Your thoughts? And while that time, time runs, let's understand the national security risk here. The president has conceded that he reaches out to foreign leaders for help for personal benefit. This goes right back to the Russia allegation. We can now easily see how he could have compromised himself with Russia. We don't know what transpired there, yeah. but he's very willing to do this for, for personal benefit. How much longer will we allow this to go on where he can compromise himself and someone else holds the key to his compromise? Don't forget, it's not just Ukraine that was a party of that conversation. You know who else is listening to that conversation? Russia. Russia is intercepting, intercepting the Ukrainian president's conversations. They know exactly what transpired. There's another adversary who now comes in and says, I own this president. To hammer the point, Chris Saliza, 12 words that just fundamentally changed Washington, which I don't know how it changed Washington because they've been investigating since before inauguration. Which is 12 words, Nancy Pelosi changed everything. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. That pronouncement came at the close of a press conference Tuesday afternoon in which the speaker announced that the House would be formal impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump's conduct as president. You've been doing it since day one. But we have to support her. Ari Fleischer, bottom line, if POTUS called on a foreign nation to investigate Biden, it was inappropriate. But so, too, was Obama asking Putin to help his reelection so he could have more flexibility after the election. Jennifer Pascai, or whatever the fuck her name is, suggested edit. Bottom line, since POTUS admitted to calling a foreign nation to investigate Biden, we should agree it was beyond inappropriate. But even as a Republican, I admit Obama would never have asked Putin to help his reelection. Ari Fleischer, interesting to see how many D's and liberal reporters are rushing to defend Obama from the charge he asked Putin to help his reelection. But that's precisely what O did on missile defense. O asked for space until the election. That ask was at an inappropriate request for help and it was true the media establishment and social media is so fired up for this and so defensive of obama that mic slip i got you that soundbite was linked to a liberal site or a conservative site excuse me youtube blocked that site from having it. They blocked it. I had to go to YouTube and research. When I clicked on it, 
It said this is no longer able to be played here. Go to YouTube to see. Because they didn't want a conservative site spreading that mic slip. I mean, seriously, folks. You can't have it both ways. Comfortably smug. Holy shit. Dem senators sent a letter to prosecutor in Ukraine last year asking them to wait for it. Investigate Trump. Letters right here. Media doesn't care. Then we get into Warren and Biden. News. Think Tank Demos Org gave Working Family Party 45000 in 2017-2018. E. Warren's daughter, Amelia, is the chairwoman of Demos. Despite this, she's currently not listed on Demos' website, but is still showing up on Google. Um, Samuel Douglas, Elizabeth Warren's daughter, Amelia Warren, is the chairwoman of Demos, a liberal think tank. Per Demos' 2018 tax filing, they gave 45000 to the Working Family Party. This was the first year Demos gave anything to Working Family Party. The Working Family Party endorsement of Warren is not surprisingly irritating some support. Sanders supporters, Warren's 60.9% win combined two of the totals, a vote by WFP leaders, an online member vote, blah, 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 and it goes on to show that she's linked to an organization that is pushing shit that is well extreme and trying to tank the election again. Goodwin, Pelosi's impeachment flip-flop changes everything. It's surrendering to the radicals and the noisy drumbeat of the media handmaidens. Pelosi established a formal investigation process involving top legislative community, yet she did something else, too, something far more monumental. She effectively committed House Dems to impeaching Trump. And he goes on. This is He's a liberal. Good one. It's, it's fucking... There's nothing there. There's nothing there, folks. Trump knew this was going to happen. Knew it. So his war room already had a fucking video. And here's a rebuttal attached to it from people saying this is all horseshit. And one of it is King from CBS. King. Yeah, Oprah's King. There's nothing here. This is going to hurt the Dems. Do you personally think impeachment should be considered? I think it should. As we begin impeachment proceedings now. And uh, we've got to impeach him and get rid of him. My sole focus right now uh, is to make sure that he's not the president uh, next term. My sole focus. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. We're going to launch an Article 3 impeachment. In the question of impeachment, it's about time. Nadler is, I hope he's not following the rules. Congress should take the steps towards impeachment. We're going to have to prosecute this. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to impeach. Impeachment is still on the table. Absolutely. It's always on the table. We cannot accept a, a second term for Donald Trump. If we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time to stop this nonsense. They think they're going to win. Did you see the one man? He said it's the only way we're going to beat him in 2020. They have to do this. The only way that, well, that's a compliment, I guess. But think of what he said. It's the only way they're going to beat me. And actually, it's working the other way, because now we have our best poll numbers that we've ever had. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, look, 
President Obama controversially resisted bipartisan efforts to send military assistance to the Ukraine mm -hmm. um, back. It was $231 million dollars and in 2016. So I do think it's ironic that Democrats then were against sending money to the Ukraine but are a proponent of it now. And the shift what? with Russia has been very interesting to watch. I will say Sonny has been a big proponent throughout, I think, the entire time it's been, we've been talking about it on the show, of impeachment. Impeachment! And I will say... Okay, let me finish. Let me finish. Thank you. Unleash the Kraken. Because honestly, if you're not going to listen to Nancy Pelosi about the political implications of this, just impeach him then. See what happens politically, because what happened with Clinton in the 90s really ended up hurting Republicans. And I think, and many historians of politics believe that it helped get Clinton reelected. Mm -hmm. Just impeach him then, because quite frankly, I'm sick of hearing everybody bitch about it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm sick okay. of hearing the infighting with Democrats. Clearly, progressives are running the party. And again, if he has, in fact, as Abby extorted. said, extorted. Don't worry about the point, Democrats. The Democrats are going to get it together. Can you, ask, can you answer this, though, for me? I do have a question. You're sure about that? Why, yes. Why, All right. Why has the RNC... On election night, I want that, if, I want if, that if, clip if People right are so up here. upset. Yeah. I, I really would love an answer to this. Yeah. Oh, come on. Why has the RNC, when there's so much anger about the president, there seems so many people just want him out, uh -huh. why is the RNC raised more than 6.5 yeah. times the amount? Because they want to the stay in power. Because well, money speaks. Money it. speaks more that's than people just because talking. Because it's power before country. Yeah. And that's because the problem. Because power before that is country. Because part of the problem really believe is that And you guys don't want power. But and the question will be before the country, are those sentences, are the president's actions in the national interest or in his own personal political interest? He will argue corruption is a huge problem in Ukraine. It's part of the problem of giving money to Ukraine. It ends up in the wrong hands. President Obama was aware of that the EU is aware of that. And he will argue uh, that Vice President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who was on the board of directors of a major energy company, which is involved in some of that corruption, was a legitimate subject of national interest. And that's what he's talking to the president of Ukraine about. But David, I, I, I understand that'll be the defense. Does it pass the smell test once he explicitly mentions the name Joe Biden? Well, Joe Biden was uh, involved in uh, the, dis the uh, dismissal of a prosecutor. That prosecutor actually had dropped the investigation of the company that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was on. So that'll be hashed out. But there still is not an explicit quid pro quo here. So exactly. Is this a big bowl of nothing or is there really something here? What will be the process now to determine how significant this is? Well, legally, it's important to it's important to note that the Justice Department has looked at what happened in this phone call and they did not clear him on all violations of law. But they said, we don't see a campaign finance violation here. Right. So it seems going forward, this will be like so many other things in the Trump administration, a political fight on Capitol Hill. And it'll be up to Democrats and Republicans to decide if they believe this rises to the level of conduct that that should support articles of impeachment. It's an open question. It's murky. I agree with you completely. There's no quid pro quo. Uh, there's no explicit promise or threat here. That's great for the president's attorneys. That's what they'll argue. But I think a lot of folks, a lot of voters in the Midwest may ask, why would you, right. why, why on you earth up? would you go to a foreign leader to talk yes. about your political rival? Haven't we been through this for two years? But it does seem, depending on your feelings about President Trump, will depend on how you feel about this statement. There that initial paragraph seems to be asking him, do me a favor, asking him to find a Hillary Clinton email connection to the origins of the Mueller probe. Yes. That's what he's really, because Ukraine, Manafort was representing the Ukrainian opposition, the pro-Russian government that was ousted. It's Ukraine. not explicit, but the context 
it's, certainly suggest I mean, that's the, the that's people have analogized is. this kind of conversation to when you know a godfather would say you know i want you to do something everyone knows what what is involved here remember when the republicans impeached clinton in the house it was for reals i mean he fucking did it he perjured himself but they got their asses slapped because America saw it for what it was. And we've been talking about it since the Trump election. You can't do this and let the American people know it's politics. But the problem with the left is, is that before the inauguration, they've been playing politics, going after Trump, investigating everything, and it keeps coming back nothing. From Mueller to whatever, man, name it. They have found nothing. Trump's approval rating is fucking 52, folks. I want you to think about it. 52. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee again. It's the time of year where I want coffee. It's not cold outside. I mean, we got to 50 the other day, which is pretty sexy for down south. But I, I haven't drank coffee in a year. Well, since February. So... It's weird. Just yesterday I woke up, started drinking it again. It's freaking amazing. So I stopped drinking monsters. None of you care. I'm just that's why I'm slurping over here. Um but but the point being is this is just a pattern of bullshit. And the American people see it. His fifty two percent approval rating is higher than Obama's at this time, and this is based off of Three fucking years of relentless, every ticky-tack, petty thing you can go after, they've gone after. But why do I think his polls are up? Because they're so extreme, it makes people look at him and go, yeah, he's a fucking jackass, and he's not very presidential, and his Twitter feed is a fucking hot goddamn garbage fire of embarrassment for the country. Which I still can't understand why people haven't stopped him by now. I mean, fuck, we're three years in. Just take away his goddamn phone. This guy could win re-election by just not tweeting. But these people, sweet Jesus, here's just a tidbit of it. Once again, fearing people. We're fearing. We have the climate change fear. We have all the, the guns. Here's another montage of eight candidates for president gonna get your guns or else we're all gonna die uh, my bill that i've introduced dealing with the caliber weapon i've held an ar-15 in my hand i wish i had it it is as heavy as 10 boxes that you might be moving uh, and the bullet that is utilized a 50 caliber these kinds of bullets uh, need to be licensed and do not need to be on the streets Nearly 40,000 of our fellow Americans will lose their lives to gun violence this year. It's not something that any country, certainly a country like ours, should be dealing with. The fact that people commit suicide in that terrible moment. The shrines on inner city streets, places where people were murdered. We have got to stop treating it like a statistic. It's about a whole community and everyone that surrounds it. So the American people do believe that we have a crisis. They want real action. Ways that we could make guns safer and keep them out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Everyone before they own a weapon should have a background check. 
period. It's just reasonable that we might want to know before someone can buy a lethal weapon what their past is, if they've been convicted of serious crimes. Common sense, evidence-based things have driven down gun violence in other communities. We know that these steps will save the lives of our fellow Americans. These are just reasonable approaches to an issue. Widely, widely supported. Changes that would make a real difference. You still have your Second Amendment rights, and we can have real gun safety that will save so many American lives in the years to come. Now, when it isn't their own politicians scaring the shit out of them, it's the media. And and this was an interesting story that I want to put. Well, there's a headline to accentuate my point. New York Times publisher says Trump pushing worldwide assault on journalism. He's trying to delegitimize real news. What is real news? The people know. Meeting the media-distrusting people in Wyoming, MSM refused to admit liberal bias. Something rare happened in Washington Post on Monday. There was a small hearing of argument that the media is biased to the left. Post-media columnist Margaret Sullivan penned a column praising the Casper Project in Wyoming, where the Society of Professional Journalists tried to engage with media people and 36 Casper-area citizen volunteers who met on several occasions to try f- to form some mutual understanding. So they should expect the bias complaint to surface. The final session of public event at Casper College in July included staffers from Washington Post, Bud Fees, Wall Street, and Associated Press. Things got a little tense at times. At one point, Chuck Hawley, a Casper real estate agent broker, who was one of the larger program participants tried to pin down the panel members on what he considered a given. Holly asked for a show of hands from those journalists who accept that there is a liberal media bias that works against Trump and conservative values. No one bit. Would journalists with two eyes and two ears think they are not working against the president at this point? What would that would make it tense. Sullivan continued, writing afterward in the Casper Star Tribune, the state's largest newspaper, Holly professed his shock. Not one of these editors was willing to admit that most view as an obvious and overt liberal bias reporting. Holly's piece went on to provide examples, articles referring to pro-abortion individuals and pro-choice activists versus pro-life believers as individuals with an anti-abortion agenda. Two years of stories and accusation of Russia collusion by Trump and his administration questioning Trump's mental competence, among many things. His complaints are subject to challenge, I'll note. For instance, most large news organizations have rules on abortion-related language and news stories that address his complaint. Many, including the Associated Press, recommend against the use of pro-choice, despite the preference of those on the side of divided suggest instead pro-abortion rights. What's worse, in Holly's view, the real bias is not what the media prints and airs nightly, but rather what they don't. Conservative viewpoints are ignored or slanted if it does fit a liberal narrative. Sullivan is right that pro-choice is now discouraged, but changing it to less nebulous pro-abortion rights while their opponents are anti-abortion is not exactly challenging Holly's argument that liberals are pros and conservatives are antis. I would never want to discourage liberal reporters from engaging with people who don't trust them. It might help journalists with their frustration that people don't understand some of the often sneaky methods that journalists use to anonymous sourcing. Although knowing how it's done doesn't make the news manufacturing any less opaque for the audience. This passage made me smirk, and Lori Montgomery, Deputy National Editor of The Post, came away from Casper realizing anew how upset people, regardless of political leaning, are with the deep division in America. Part of the anger with the mainstream media is that they see us fanning those flames. 
Maybe, Montgomery told me, we should ask ourselves whether we could do more to heal those wounds while still serving in an important watchdog role and still covering important news events without flinching. One of the reports recommended that journalists should engage with their audience more regularly. Hear them out. Talk to them. Yes, posties, you can fan the flames with hot slogans about democracy dying and raging against this president and anyone who doesn't have their hair on fire in opposition to them. But I smirk hardest at the idea that maybe the Post could engage with more with readers when current Post editor Martin Barron came to town in 2013 and quickly abolished the ombudsman position, with en- which engaged with readers' complaints. Instead, the Post offered Sullivan, the former New York Times ombudsman, writing angry columns about people distrusting what she calls the reality-based press. The Casper Project issued a report with recommendations, and we can see why Sullivan would skip over that list after this one seek out bias consider ways to make opinion more distinct from news make sure reporters who go on tv news shows know how to avoid getting drawn into giving their own opinion this is how hockley's article concluded and we add an amen until such time that journalists including the panelists who attended the forum have the coverage to the courage to raise their hand when asked if they agree with liberal bias exists in the media and are willing to hold themselves accountable for biased inaccurate reporting the media will not regain public confidence and the 32 percent trust number will only continue to fall and that 32 inch, 32% trust is inflated by liberals. That's not, I mean, you talk to people in this country, nobody believes the news. Nobody believes Fox, CNN, MSDNC, NBC, ABC, CBS. It just, they don't. Because this is what you get from them. CNN bashing cons, Seltzer Show calling Trump psycho, Acosta, America is a vicious country, but he has no blame for that. Empire, Hollywood, they're going to get Trump's ass. That should be off the air, should should handmaids, but they're still on. And Morning Joe, allowing a guest to say POTUS should be killed for treason. Remember, previous soundbite, you heard Mitchell once again, spinning 2016. They they just never thought Hillary Clinton broke any laws. And they always think Republicans do. Yeah. John, do, do you think that because of what has preceded this in terms of what has been the basis of Democrats' calls for impeachment, there have been a number of things. First, it was, mm-hmm. you know, conduct with Russia, then emoluments, and now it would be this. Does that actually hurt the Democrats' public case here simply by those who would say to them, your, your method is kitchen sink. Those things didn't work, and now you're using this. Um, it, that may on the level of perception, but you could also say that there's an accumulation of data points that demands an escalation. Sure, you can see it both right? ways. And, 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 and I do think that, you know, for Democrats, part of the key question is the principle over the politics. Everybody knows, cut to the chase, that the Senate, as currently constituted, is not going to convict right. Donald Trump. Um, but you got a basic problem, which is that it vies against American's sense of fairness and common sense. Republicans treating the basic idea... That if a Republican president does it, it doesn't matter right. on something they would scream bloody murder appropriately about if a Democratic president did it. This situational ethics. Yeah. And that's the underlying issue we got to pierce. We cannot divide into warring tribes on basic questions of right or wrong. And that's yeah. where we're not heading where we're at yeah. right now. Situational ethics, uh, the phrase. Good way to put it. And you know, with, 
with Trump, you, when an individual remarks, you never know whether it's the impulsive act of uh, uh, arrested an adolescent psychopath uh, acting on impulse or a calculated political strategy. But there is clearly there is a long range strategy at play here, and it's deride and conquer. Look, Trump and wait, his that's interesting. Hold on, deri deride and conquer. Deride, uh, mock. Hmm. Uh, make us a laughing stock. Remember this week he said we're a laughing stock internationally? That's a little bit of projection. I don't think we're a laughing stock internationally. I think our president is the person who's laughed at internationally. But then he called us a joke. The idea is to do to the press what Trump and his team have managed to do pretty much to the Democratic House of Representatives and mocking them. Remember uh, back in May when William Barr uh, was with Nancy Pelosi at, a, at an event and he said, have you brought the handcuffs, uh, Madam Speaker, mocking and then laughed, mocking their ability to back up their threats of, uh, of, of, of citing him for contempt or their subpoenas. They now mock the House. You saw it this week. Corey Lewandowski spit in the face of the House, and there's nothing going to happen to him. In fact, if you read the right-wing media, he was a hero. They want to do that to the press. If they can do that to the press, if they can mock us to the point where people don't take us seriously and we don't back up our effort, if we don't show integrity, if we don't have some teeth in our reporting, they will do it. And, Brian, we are the last best hope between Trump and an imperial presidency. And I'm going to be very straightforward about this. Do you remember, Bill, when we used to say, uh, I'd like to leave this country better off yeah. to our kids and our grandkids? Does anybody say that anymore? Does anybody ask that question anymore? What is... No, I think a lot of people do, and I... I, I do think a lot of people do. I think well, I don't, yeah, I, don't hear, I don't hear it. I don't hear it said very much right. anymore. And and, and the I, question I, that I ask all of you is, what are you doing on a daily basis to make sure that we're passing on to the next generation of our kids and grandkids a better country than the one that we have right now? Because if this becomes acceptable, a political culture in this country becomes acceptable where it's okay for the president of the United States to refer to the press as the enemy of the people. Question I ask is which segment of American society is next? After you're done with the journalists, do you go to the academics next? Yeah. Do you go to the yeah. federal employees next? Yeah. Who is the enemy of the people? The other day, the president referred to as the chairman of the federal uh, Federal Reserve as, as his enemy, as and the enemy. so as the enemy. And so we have to ask ourselves: you know, it is it is relieving, it is cathartic. Uh, to lash out at that guy on the TV screen. I throw my beer cans at the, at the TV screen, too, uh, when they're empty, from uh -huh. time to time. Um, but I think we also have to take stock of what we're doing at home, what we're doing in our communities, what's happening in our daily lives that is contributing to this culture of um, just viciousness. We've become a vicious, nasty country. And my concern is, is that we're tearing each other apart. And this is the country I love, too. My dad, as I said earlier, came over to this country from Cuba, came over here in 1962, three weeks before the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, moved to northern Virginia, which is where I grew up. I'm a Fairfax County native. I was born at Fairfax County Hospital. My mom was born at the Washington Women's Hospital in Georgetown. Her parents are buried at Arlington National Cemetery. And my dad tells me the story that when he came to this country, uh, he was uh, he was 
taken out of the classroom by a teacher who would teach him how to read and write English. Uh, there was a Presbyterian church in Vienna, Virginia, that gave my dad and, and my grandmother coats and sweaters so they could stay warm in their first winter here in the D.C. area. They had never been cold before. Are we still that country anymore? Did John F. Kennedy call immigrants rapists and criminals back then? No. I think we have to take stock of where we are right now and ask ourselves whether or not we're leaving that better country that, Bill, you say that we're going to be leaving to our kids and grandkids, whether we're in fact doing that or whether that's just lip service. And I, and I, and I, you know, I, I appreciate all the constructive criticism here tonight, but if you don't mind, I'm going to direct some of that back. I'm not a politician. I'm not here to win votes. Maybe you don't, don't want to buy my book after I put things in plain English like that, but I don't care because I think that's part of the equation too. Let's get into today's topics. Donald Trump. Please tell me they finally threw his lying ass in prison. (laughs) Maybe he has your old bunk. Or your husband's. Or your son's. (laughs) Well, wherever he is, I'm sure you'll be lobbying to be his prison bitch. It couldn't be clearer. And that's not just undermining democratic institutions. Uh, That is treason. It's treason, pure and simple. And the penalty for treason under the U.S. Code is death. That's the only penalty. The the penalty under the Constitution is removal from office. And that might look like a pretty good alternative to the president if he could work out a plea deal. Governor Weld, you went a little bit further than just impeachment in your prior comments, and I just want to continue with that a bit. You said that Donald Trump has committed treason, and the penalty for treason under American law is death. Do you, what's the legal framework here? Have you looked into this? What, uh, how do you see this proceed? Well, the legal framework is under the U.S. Criminal Code. The only penalty for treason is death. It's spelled out in the statute. Under the Constitution, as you know, grounds for removal from office, impeachment and removal from any federal office, are treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. We don't have to worry about bribery anymore, although I think he's committed that. We don't have to worry about other high crimes and misdemeanors, although I think he's committed many. He's such a lawless man. We've got treason, and we don't have to dribble around the court. We can go right for the hoop. It's well past time for this guy, in my opinion, to be colloquial, to be carted off to save us all. He's daring us all to let him be totally lawless. He has no respect for the law. He doesn't understand the law. He has no knowledge base under any issues. As we know, the Biden folks are concerned that this is what they might call Hillary 2.0, the feeling that back in 2016, the president was able to paint a picture of Hillary Clinton that was not accurate. Uh, Despite the email controversy, that became his sole message. But by repeating it over and over again, he has learned that it works for him politically. I hadn't played the Mitchell one, so that's why I threw it in there. But it goes with this generalized theme. He's crazy. He, you can say he should be murdered, as you heard there with Morning Joe. Nobody corrects him. Their candidates are never at fault for anything. They don't do anything wrong. The right always does. And you keep playing that for three years. And then you get the aforementioned Harris soundbite. If it's not proven with... Greta Thunberg and the crazy climate fair these kids are. Listen to what they've done to this kid. 
I was scared every day. So here's the thing. You're right to feel that way, but you also have to remember that we're all in this together, okay? And you always have to remember that you're not alone. Do you hear me? You always have to remember that. Okay? And you're no, baby, you're not gonna die. You're not. You're not. And we're gonna be smart, and we're gonna, we're gonna fight. We are gonna win, and we're gonna take on the people who are just failing to have courage. Okay? That's what they've done to a generation. Through Obama and now, they have just fear-mongered on a level that makes Bush's 911 um, color system and all the complaints he got look like child's play. They have these kids so fearful of everything because the media and the left spend every minute of every day saying, hey, if you elect them, gays are going to die. Latinos are going to be thrown in cages. They got to drink toilet water. I mean, everything we talk about on the show, for Christ's sake, they fear everything. Guns, climate, we're all going to... I mean, who the fuck thinks it's good to tell children we're all going to die in 12 years? Why, why would you do that? That's your result. That's your result. So, moving on to other shit. Omar storms away from kid over conversation about tolerance, according to parents. According to Ra- Rachel Campos Duffy, who has a guest host show in Disparate, as ABC's The View and The Fox Outnumbered, Last week, her children went to Capitol to vote with their father, Congressman Sean Duffy, a Republican from Wisconsin. One of their daughters, Lucia, spotted Ilian Omar and recognized who she was and asked to take a picture, triggering an alleged ill-behaved reaction from Omar when the chief confronted Omar's lack of tolerance. Camp Post Duffy wrote on Facebook in D.C. today, and the kids went to Capitol building to vote with their dad. Walking back from voting, my daughter Lucia spots Omar. She recognized her from Maroon 5's Girl Like You music video and kindly asked to take a picture. Here's how it went down. Lucia, may I have to take a picture with you? Omar, are you sure your parents are okay with that? Rachel, yes, we're very tolerant people. Omar, you should be accepting, not tolerant. Rachel, right back at you. Omar starves off. So much for Lucia's very genuine attempt at bipartisan fangirling over Maroon 5. Omar's history of acceptance includes promoting a cartoon, blah, 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 blah. The story goes on, and she walks away. And a little kid accepting. Because you know why? She probably knew that they weren't liberals. So, once again, we are supposed to be tolerant and accepting of everything on this planet other than Christians, pro-life people, and more importantly, conservatives. This week also, going in line with Omar... BDS movement, the struggles against racism and militarization and for climate, economic, and social justice are profoundly interconnected. Join climate strike actions in your area and take actions to end Israel's climate apartheid against Palestinians. Climate apartheid. So Israel is controlling the weather. Hmm, that's pretty hateful. AG Conservative, wow, a city clerk of Michigan who previously received an award from the state's Democratic Party is being charged with altering ballots during the 2018 midterm election. Sharikia 
Hawkins, who charged Monday with six felony counts for allegedly altering absentee ballots during the November 2018 election in Detroit. Hawkins, a 38-year-old registered Democrat, stands accused of altering 193 absentee ballots. She was arraigned Monday in Southfield on charges including falsifying returns or records, forgery of public records, misconduct in office, and multiple counts of using computer to commit a crime. She was released on $15,000 bond. The alleged misconduct was discovered after Oakland County Clerk's Office noticed that 193 voter files have been changed to reflect that the voters failed to include a valid signature return date when all All of the implicated voters had, in fact, included both items. The county clerk's office later discovered the original voter files in the trash at the election division of office. The Michigan State Police then lost investigation that resulted in Hawkins' arrest. Hawkins, who makes $102,000 per year, has been placed on paid administrative leave pending the outcome of her trial. Yeah. That's, that's. How many of that's there? My own, my own experience with every person at the poll with a Hillary button on their jackets, hung up in the front of it, polls with Obama posters. I mean, Jesus Christ, folks, we're handing out free ID cards to everybody in California, and you wonder why conservatives lose there by three million, three point five million votes, which makes up the four million. I mean, literally. Quick hits. Conservative activists clean up 50, 50 tons of garbage in Los Angeles. Nobody reported it. Emmy's ratings plunged to the worst in history. And I didn't even cover it because all it was was the patriarchy. Yeah, that was the sound bites. And uh, Game of Thrones got fucked. So. All right, we're going to do one last sound bite. Hit us out to a music break. We're going to go to Gangster Paradise as we're going to stay on the hip-hop slash R&B slash rap. I don't know what to call this shit. Music. I was trying to find one from PJ something or other, BJ, whatever. My brother liked them. They had a really cool song, but I can't remember their name, and I Google searched and couldn't find it. But we're going to head out to that with a soundbite of Tlaib being a fucking bitch is the only way to sum it up to a poor person about vaping, which I'll talk about that at the end of our show today. And then we'll go straight into our news, social media nuggets was on health and so it's so important that you all continue to speak truth uh, about this um, because the long-term effects is very dangerous especially because they have been targeted towards youth and then, you know miss porter i was reading because i want to know more about you and and your beliefs and i i respect that we all have different beliefs but y- you call yourself a con- con- converted conservative and reformed marxist are you a conspiracy theorist I think my politics are entirely irrelevant to this hearing. Oh, okay. Why were you winking at one of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle? You winked. Because I know Glenn Grothman. Oh, that's what it, so the winking, did he? He introduced me. Oh, He's a friend of mine. Okay, I understand. I didn't know what the winking was, because I thought maybe there was something like a conspiracy thing going on there. I didn't know. You think there's a conspiracy in this no, hearing, ma'am? No, I actually think people are speaking truth here, and you can provide information. May, may I address? May I address the truth? No, 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 no. Uh, Well, the truth to you is very different for the majority of people in this room who do right. believe that ch- uh, children the are being The truth for me is I quit smoking with these cigarettes and so did 8 You're million other smoking, people. Ma'am. You're Let's, still smoking. Thank I'm not smoking. Thank you. Thank you and I'm not order. lying under oath. Order, please. Uh, I'd like to recognize Congressman Connolly for five minutes question. Thank you. 
you know, I go in to speak to kids all the time. Uh, you know, do the third, second grade and third grade uh, reading class. They always ask, well, what do you do, you know? And I tell them I work at the Capitol, and I show them the picture and tell them where it is geography-wise. And then I tell them, you know, when I was your age, I used to go to restaurants with my, my parents, and they say, you know, right now you go, and they say, how many people in your group? Uh, when I was little, they said non-smoking or smoking section. And the kids are like, what? And I was like, yeah, they would say non-smoking or smoking because they smoked in cigarettes in public places like uh, restaurants, hospitals, schools, planes. And the kids' eyes are wide and they're like, what? That's unbelievable. And I said, yes, even though scientists, people were saying secondhand smoking was worse, was worse than directly smoking cigarettes. And even though health experts and others were coming forward, you had big industry, corporate greed, misleading information out there to the public, what the real, out real impact was on health. And so it's so important that you all continue to speak truth uh, about this um, because the long-term effects is very dangerous, especially because they have been targeted towards youth. And then, you know, Ms. Porter... Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. It's why they call me Bad Company. Bad Company. Today I die. Today I die. 
you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner. Recruit diagnosed with autism was sent back home. So, and the recruiter was relieved of his duties. Army details plan to equip striker carriers with anti-tank tow missiles. I don't know how this became a story, because I thought it was already there, but I guess they're going to do it with uh, toes and javelins and strap them to the strikers. Um, good on them. And then our Army Times, which I promised we'd do, Bigger War Games, how the new chief will prep the Army for large-scale combat ops, because we're going back to fighting Russia and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, uh, first story is who's going to get the first MVG soldiers? The Big Red One are going to get them, and results are it is a major game changer. That's what they're saying. Uh, reviews from the troops that these are so much better than PBS 14s. I don't know how that's the case because it does have those uh, doubles, which I don't, man, I hated doubles. I loved the 14. Um, the 14 was really good because you had free eye. You know, you could still have some natural night vision. And for patrolling, it was a lot better, but whatevs. Army IG finds widespread concern over privatized housing, lack of oversight. God, I thought that was going to happen. Um, huge story about the autistic kid. Uh, let's see. Flipping through here. Story on how aviators must prep for combat ops on a large scale. Bigger war games. Let's see if we can get anything good out of this bad boy. Okay, the large-scale combat operations laid out under the new National Defense Strategy require division strength movements unlike the repeat deployments to the Middle East over the past 18 years during which the Army primary unit of action has been the brigade. The service brigade combat teams have been gearing up over the past few years in an effort to make higher <clears throat> readiness rates, but being ready at home station had been ready to de- oh, home station. Okay. I'm fucking this up. Ready to deploy over the Atlantic ocean to wage war in Eastern Europe are two different undertakings and a conflict at the scale imagined by current Pentagon leaders. It's wonderful that we have a brigade sitting maybe at Fort Campbell. That's at the highest level of readiness said army chief of staff McConville who came from Fort Campbell, but we also need to, get that brigade to where we need and that may be by airlifts it may be by sea lift we have to be able to deploy it there i'm sorry i'm trying to read without my glasses because i can't find the son bitch when i move this freaking podcast i don't know where i put my glasses deploy it there that is what we take talk about with strategic readiness and that is a concern so what he wants to do is go back to division deployments. 
if we're going to war, if we're going here, we're going to send the whole division. And later on in the article, because I pre-read some of it, that was my highlight that made it worse to read in the fucking dark room, um, is that even NTC, more than brigades go out there and train. That would be fucking interesting because i, I got to be quite honest. I don't remember a division-wide exercise since Team Spirit in Korea or in the 6th Infantry Division, Brimfrost. It's been that long. It's crazy. Immigration officials, new policy will have limited effect on the military. Uh, we already reported about the blood test for PTSD. Uh, let's see. This is a boring edition. I'm really sorry. I thought this was going better. Uh, they even did the girls' message for equality received in a big way. The female army men. Army's fattest. The fattest... Uh, branch of service. We already covered that, so I guess we're way ahead of this magazine. Maybe I should just wait till the magazine comes. What do you think? So that's our really pathetic Army Times, and I apologize. I was all excited. I read the cover story, but I didn't look at the rest of it, and it kind of sucks. So let's do some college crazy. We're going to come into, uh, as you can expect, uh, some climate rebels. They were college students of the D.C. shutdown. I was going to put it in the climate section, but I decided, you know, I'm going to put it down there with college because Campus Reform does a really good job with their interview. So enjoy. I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. Today we're in Washington, D.C. Behind me, a group of protesters shutting down the streets in the name of climate change. People chaining themselves to street signs, ladders. We're going to talk to them, see if they will talk to us, tell us what they're angry about and what they're hoping to accomplish today. We've seen uh, some people shutting down traffic, kind of creating gridlock. Do you think that's an effective way to, to get your message out and to grow the, the movement? I honestly, I really don't care about people like being inconvenienced with traffic because we need change now. We don't need change tomorrow. We need change yesterday, frankly. And somebody being late for work, for me, I don't care about that. I care about the survival of our human species. I'm not a fan of protests. If we can all just sat down and put our minds to work in a quiet place and change things, I'm sure we can, but we don't know how. That's not what this is, though. No, that's not what this is, but I... I they say resistance doesn't help. It just resistance brings persistence. But right now, hey, got no choice. Got to do it. Got to do it. You know, you got people stuck in traffic around the city. Are they really going to be swayed by this? Or are you just going to turn millions of people off to the cause? I'm not sure. There's one woman who passed through our blockade uh, down at McPherson Square and you know she's kind of snarled at us and it's going to happen because she's people probably late understand. to work yeah. well yeah people don't understand they don't most people don't understand the dire emergency we're facing you're shutting down traffic is this really going to make anyone that's on the fence about climate change say you know I agree with them the people shutting down traffic I think, um, you know, it's a valid argument that people are like, how does shutting down traffic do this? But this gets national, sometimes international news. And just that fact, I, I think, is an important thing to spread awareness. What's your message to someone that's stuck in traffic right now, maybe late to work, and is upset about that? Well, what, 
What good's what good's the money if there's no future to spend it on? Why do you gotta go to work? There's kids that are skipping school because they see no sense in 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 a future. They're being lied to. Well, aren't the policies of uh, the Republican-controlled Congress and uh, the White House like doing more damage than just being late for your morning commute? So we're going to talk to one of our friends here filming us. Uh, can you tell us about the purpose of what you're doing here? Security. So what's the... I saw you filming us. Do you want to do a quick interview? No, Okay. Uh, well, wants to film me, won't let us film him. We'll keep talking to people here, see what's going on. We've heard a few speakers say, I'm not going to be having children because I don't want to bring them into this world. What's your take on that? Uh, it's actually, it's, it's really interesting that you bring this up because I personally am about to turn 50. Um, I chose way back when um, to not reproduce. And that, you know, has reduced my carbon footprint in this world um, enormously. It's difficult to bring children into a world whose future is so uncertain. And a lot of my friends, a lot of people here feel the same way and so it's affecting people very personally personally i'm not having children so that point is moved for me and is, is that because of climate change or because of other decisions uh, a lot of things mostly just because my body my choice and i don't i'm not really responsible enough to bring a child into this world <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it makes a lot of sense for adopting you know with lots it. of other kids out there do you worry that people that Meg be supportive of the climate change cause. Look at what's going on here and they say, I don't want to be affiliated with that. It seems a little extreme. I am worried about that. That is a concern. However, I'm I'm honestly not sure what else to do. This is more of a disruption, so creating gridlock in Washington. The world's on fire, the Amazon's on fire, everybody's tired of it, man. Got it. It's, it's corporations, it's greed, it's it's out of hand. If you don't put climate ahead of all all these other things like healthcare and women's rights, those things are important and matter. But with the climate we're facing, all that's going to go by the wayside. By any means necessary, I think that we need to bring attention. You know, the climate march was great, but those are sort of short-lived events. I'm a firm believer in direct action. Oh, well, hello there. I'm Kappa Phillips with Campus Reform. Thanks so much for watching. If you want to join our team, we're always looking for new investigators, correspondents, and tipsters. Click right here to learn more about that. If you want to donate to help us make more videos like the one you just saw, click that button there. And if you want to be among the first person to see all of our new content, click that subscribe button right over there. Thanks so much. Hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you click anything. Um, did they click one yet? So the story that goes with it, climate rebels shut down D.C. urge against having children. Climate activists around the world stage demonstrations, blah, 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 blah. Those walkouts continued Monday while in Washington, D.C., protesters took over major streets. And this group was the one that we heard on the video. Honestly, I don't care about people being inconvenienced with traffic because we need change now, one attendee said, while another admitted, somebody being late for work for me, I don't care about that. I care about the survival of our human species. One protesters, what good is your money if there's no future to spend it on? Why do you got to go to work? When asked if they agreed with the idea of a birth strike in order to reduce carbon emissions in the future, many attendees were like, yeah! But most of these people, as we say all the time in these protests, they don't have jobs. So they don't give a fuck. They don't care if you're late for work and you get docked pay. They don't have pay. They're still living in their parents' basement or in a fucking flop house. Professor says border enforcement harms the environment. 
Oh, my God. Talk about intersectionality. I need that damn radio show soundbite. Wah, 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 wah. It's so stupid. A study from New Mexico professor claims that activity at the border affects nearby vegetation. The professor who authored the study is warning against increasing border enforcement for fear of damaging the environment. Hoyang Wang set out to analyze the changes in vegetation along the Mexico border and determine whether or not such change could attribute to climate change. By using NASA's image and data from the Department of Agriculture, Wang found that both illegal and legal activity has statistically significant impact on the border region. But that border patrol agent and the enforcement of the border have much larger impact on environment than actual completed illegal crossings. His findings suggest that if increased by 10%, illegal border crossings would cause a 13% decrease of vegetation in the immediate area, while a 20% increase in border patrol agents would damage vegetations by 135%. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I believe that. Not. <laughs> Students at Harvard and Berkeley, etc., won't work for planter over ice contracts. College students at Harvard, Yale, Stanford, UC Berkeley, and more than a dozen other universities are boycotting Plantier Technologies, a private American software company with ties to ICE. Palo Alto-based technology company has made donations to these schools and has a recruiting program for after-graduate job placement, as reported by The Hill. Plantier was so was co-founded by billionaire advisor Peter Thiel, who supported Trump. More than 1,700 students have signed the campaign targeting Planter. Students from Harvard, Yale, Brown, Stanford, UC Berkeley, UC Irving, John Hopkins, Florida, Tufts, Wesley, RPI, Appalachia State, Belmont, Georgia Tech, University of Utah, University of Vancouver, University of Washington, Santa Clara have signed the petition. By signing this petition, you're sending a strong message that you will not work a Planter while it enables ICE deportation machine. Mm. It's a machine. It's like fucking evil. Um, if more schools send the message to Planter that they will not work with a company that works with ICE, its first future growth will be imperiled and it will be pressured to change track. So we've taken cancel culture to corporate level now, which we've been doing for a while, but it's just, it's also our, our this is America today. Jesus Christ. These fucking people just, it, it just hammers my point I keep on saying. You can't infringe on their rights or their lives, but they have every right to fuck your life up. Washington State University defends pro-life groups' graphic abortion display, deciding First Amendment, anti-life people, as I like to call them, or pro-abortions. They literally try to get it taken down, but WSU said, no, they have the right to do it, so go fuck yourself. Stanford scraps mandatory diversity activity after tokenization personal intrusion complaints. Oh my God, do we tokenize? By the way, I went to get a car wash the other day and they gave me tokens. Tokens do suck, let's be honest. Whenever you get those tokens back from a car wash, it's like, Jesus Christ, I, what the fuck am I going to do with these? I got. I can't spend this money, I got to go back and get another fucking car wash. And I was taking the Jeep so you can take them to some of those small ones where you stay in one place and the machine bats all over the fucking place and cleans your car. Doesn't do a good job. Doesn't get the running boards or any of that crap. But, you know, I just didn't feel like washing. 
Stanford University is ceasing to use common activity employed by schools to celebrate diversity after students complained that the activity was inappropriate and required students to share too much personal information. Called Crossing the Line, the activity was previously used by a university as a tool to promote reflection, dialogue, empathy, and authentic engagement among incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. Crossing the line activities are not unique to Stanford and are currently employed by every other liberal fucking shithole in our country. While very versions vary, the essence of the activity remains constant. Students are presented with a number of statements about identity. Examples listed by previous mentioned universities include statements like, People can see I'm a woman. I have a learning challenge. I have entered a gay bar. I was abused as a child. Participants are encouraged to acknowledge publicly each statement that reflects their own experience with the goal being to gain perspective of different experience of one peer. Stanford has included a mandatory crossing the line activity as freshman orientation since the fucking 80s. Jesus Christ. In their evaluation of the program, students expressed great concern about being required to disclose some aspects of their identities in public setting. We're currently exploring alternative programming and we'll share more information in the future. I know the feeling of being on display and tokenization of peace, people of color, women exons, which I don't know what that is, queer, FLI, what the fuck is FLI? Minority folks is far too overlooked to what it meant to be unifying and common building activity, student Kobe Hopkins wrote as part of his spring 2019 campaign for student government. As a senator, I'll be advocating for a direct, clear, universal change at the conceptual stage of creating identity statements because I use too many words just to say, fuck that shit. In SJW, what... Does F L F L I mean? Um, no, that's not what I was looking for. Okay, but what does this is? I, they want to fuck with me because I used SJW. What does F L I mean? Definition of acronym finder F L I. Fatty liver, forward-looking information. Jesus Christ, I gotta learn this, dude. I I, I, I won't. Ugh. Let's see. Um, in social justice, what does F L I mean? Oh, Jesus Christ, we're gonna have to look it up for the next show because I I well, let me pause. I'm going to find out what this means. Okay, after 10 minutes of searching, extremely gay person. That's what FLI means. There you go. The more you know. We're just like NBC fucking news up in this bitch, man. Yeah, the more you know. The more you'll hate liberals is what I think. Black teacher who opposed minority students getting away with bad behavior wins huge settlement from school district. A black elementary school teacher fought against St. Paul School District in Minnesota for the practice of letting minority students get away with bad behavior won $525,000 in a settlement. Aaron Benner filed a federal lawsuit in 2015 claiming the school district basically made him quit his job because they investigated him four times in a school year despite the fact that he had never been disciplined before. 
Brenner had already been teaching for 19 years. And the long story of this is like, this is bullshit. But St. Paul, which I've been to because I just drove through there last year, um, wanted to do what they do. they're doing everywhere. It's not fair. Black kids are more punished than white kids. La da 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 da. So we do the opposite. Black kids don't get punished for doing terrible shit, but white kids still do. And this black teacher is like most older African Americans I ever know. Spoil the rod, spoil the child, man. They they don't let them get away with shit. That's just a bunch of shit white people came up with. So good on them. Which takes us to our gay shit. Which I really want to come up with a soundbite for gay shit. But if it could be a soundbite, it would probably be this. This is from the Kentucky gubernatorial election. And, wow, I'm surprised this is in national news. Probably because it's factual, and they don't want facts to get out. But it's pretty scathing of this new, we're going to let boys compete with girls and fuck them. Just fuck them out of any achievement they could ever get. All female athletes want is a fair shot in competition. At a scholarship, at a title, at victory. What if that shot was taken away by a competitor who claims they're a girl but was born a boy? Andy Bashir supports legislation that would destroy girls' sports. He calls it equality. Maybe, but is it fair? Vote against Andy Bashir. He's too extreme for Kentucky. And they would be right. That is a good, good ad. Because it's just getting to the point. This article right here. If they're not abusing kids and using them as tokens and props like fucking Thunberg and Hogg. They're doing this to poor kids. Five-year-old with autism labeled sexual predator for kissing a classmate on the cheek and hugging another. The current cultural movement that insists ill-intended many normal encounters continue to ensnare those with autism. The family of a five-year-old, Nathan Putman, says their son has been punished, labeled a sexual predator, and accused of sexual harassment for hugging a classmate and kissing one on the cheek. Nathan, who has autism, is unaware what he's doing is unacceptable. What do you do when a five-year-old is being labeled a sexual predator and accused of sexual harassment by the school system? It was the clothes that it would go in his record for the rest of his life He's a sex offender, his grandmother stated. Debbie Amick wrote on Facebook, This child is autistic. He comprehends and functions very different than your typical five-year-old. What do you do? What do you do to turn for help in the school not even listen to the child's doctor when he explains the child's difficulties and his comprehension of simple things as boundaries? The outlet spoke to Nathan Mother Summary, who said she was... Summary? What kind of name is that? Who said she was sick to my stomach? You need to have a talk with Nathan about boundaries. If you don't understand how autism works, you'll be you'll think he's acting out or being difficult. She told the outlet, but that's not the situation. Hamilton County Hamilton County Department of Education spokesman Tim Hennessy told WTVC in a statement that school personnel are required to. Cons- 
concerns regarding children, the Department of Child Services, that it's up to DCS to determine if those reports are acted on by DCS and that form, what form the actions will be. Putnam told the outlet that Nathan has switched classrooms and teachers and now enrolled in a special education service. Nathan is hardly the first autistic child to be punished for his condition. Barry currently appears the youngest. In 2015, there was a story of Brian Ferguson, then a 20-year-old student at Navarro College in Texas. Ferguson, like Nathan, has autism and would bring, hug his friends and kiss them on the top of the head since he was 6'5". One day, Ferguson saw a woman who looked like his friend, so he went up to hug and kiss her on the head. The woman, however, was not, and she got him expelled for sexual assault because of the kiss on the woman's head. After a national backlash, Ferguson was readmitted. It was all thrown away. In 2018, Marcus Knight was investigated for sexual misconduct for giving a woman a fist bump and taking a selfie with another. Knight has autism and cerebral palsy and routinely, routinely tries to make friends with two jesters. While taking a selfie with the woman, he actually hit the burst feature on his phone camera, which instantly took about 200 to 300 photos. The College Fix reported another woman reported Knight for a fist bump. She later changed her story to claim Nate Knight had hugged her, sat very close to her, grabbed her with one hand, and with the other tried to get her hands on his upper thigh. Knight's mother, Aurora, said the new version of the event seemed physically impossible given fo- photos Marcus had with the woman. Still, Marcus was investigated and denied the ability to participate in his own defense. His mother set up a GoFundMe. His suspension has been lifted, but the school refuses to remove the investigation from his records. It's a five-year-old kid. How is sexual assault kissing a girl on a cheek? But I said the same thing about pop Pop-Tart guns. I mean, good God. Then we get into... Who's more racist? We talk about that on the show all the time. We hear everything's racist for white people. But listen to this story. New York Times 1619 project writer has history of anti-white, anti-Semitic tweets. As exposed by Breitbart, appears another editor of the New York Times' history of making anti-Semitic and white tweets. What's more, the same editor worked on the Times-famous 1619 project, where reframes America under the lens of everything's racist. This comes after several other high-level employees of the paper were found to have racist, made racist remarks on social media. Breitbart reporter at Harris Alec discovered that Jasmine Hughes, who's an associate editor of New York Times Magazine and employee since 2015, made several controversial tweets mocking white people and Jews from 14 to 17. That's 2014 to 17. In other words, she made those tweets before she was hired, and she continues making them two years into her job. No new white friends since 2K15. That was in 2015. Who is Beth Israel and how does she have so many hospitals like trust fund or lotto ticket? If I'm at the deli, I don't think the cashier is saying have a nice day enough. Even though you white, you all better call the fuck out. The deadline article is trash. I'm not linking it here because you don't have to read it. Don't waste your time with nonsense. Yo, why does jazz still look so good? She stopped paying attention to dumb white people back in 2015. No stress since. That was in 15. Hi, my name is Jasmine Hughes, and my self-care regime is ignoring white nonsense. Dating white people is a rich tapestry of somehow making fun of them for everything they do. Wouldn't trade it for the world. My working title for this was What Can Take Your Freedom? 
but can't take a joke? White people. But that was rightfully edited. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch more. Good morning, everyone, except for white women. Honestly, it was just a matter of time before Jenna slid in to confirm that, yes, Jews are indeed good with money. But, um, she's in charge of everything's racist. It's no different than the Sharpton soundbite we had the other day. If you're black, you can be a racist. Nobody cares because in the written-up world that white liberals who are ashamed to be white wrote, it has to be the people in power. So, even after Obama getting elected, all sorts of African-American politicians, hundreds of thousands of African-Americans, rich as fuck in this country, richer than your average white, be it music, movie screen, sports. Somehow they don't have power, they say. Well, it looks like they have power to be able to say whatever the fuck they want and no repercussions. If she was a white girl working at Fox News, she'd be unemployed, folks. Pink News, to continue on this theme. RuPaul gets called out for lack of diversity in drag race following his uh, historic Emmy win. Daniel Daniela Young, African-American. In the press room at the Emmys, I asked RuPaul to address the diversity or lack thereof in the show. What bothered me? What bothered me about RuPaul's response? One, when I said he reps the LGBT community, said also the BLT community. He thinks because he is a black gay and drag queen that somehow its diversity quota is met. He couldn't quote the color purple. Look at the diversity because it's all white gay guys. Let me be clear. I asked about diversity on RuPaul's Drake staff because it's honestly caught me off guard to see so many white men behind Ru in the press room. His show centers diversity and staff seemingly doesn't. As a journalist, I wanted to give him the place, the space to address that. Which fully shows you, you can never be woke enough. You can be the black gay person in America Incredibly famous. But you're not woke enough because you hired white people. Maybe it's because there's more white gay people than there are black people. And his quota is to have only gay people on the show. I don't know. Could be me. But it's just not today we're talking about. Because we're going to go back with everything as we show on the show. From Friends to fucking Seinfeld. It doesn't matter. This one is amazing. The BBC reports that the U.S. Association for Library Service and Children voted unanimously over the weekend to remove author Laura Ingalls Wilder's name from the Children's Book Award. Renaming it the Children's Literacy Legacy Award, the association could no longer overlook the very problematic, anti-Native, and anti-Black sentiment in her work, Andy NGO. Laura Ingalls Wider, author of Little House in the Prairie series, has been removed from a book award after activists complained her writings promoted racism and colonialism. He continued, I feel like I'm reliving the McCarthy era. Jesus Christ. That's just, that's just un- unbelievable. But so is this one. President Trump's speech to the United Nations Tuesday earned a bit of praise from Ambassador Richard Grinnell 
from LGBTQ sports writer Side Ziegler. If you remember, it was in February the Trump administration launched a global effort to end the criminalization of homosexuality, an effort led by Grinnell, who recently called out Iran and European allies over the public hanging of gay man, which we've talked about on the show. Side Ziegler, so proud of the work Ambassador Grinnell is doing to decriminalize homosexuality around the world. I'm glad to see POTUS endorsing the effort at the UN today. I hope Rick's diplomacy on this is wildly successful and saves lives. Matthew Breen, editorial director of LGBT-focused Logo TV and a member of GLAAD, disagree. No, I don't think you got this one right. He's been disastrous on LGBT rights. Ziegler asked... What do I have right? I've said publicly I hate the anti-LGBT stuff this administration has done. It's some of the worst stuff of this presidency. This tweet only specifically showed appreciation for the decriminalization of homosexuality. That's it. So what was incorrect? Breen, your pride in Grinnell is misplaced. If this administration is advocating LGBTQ rights abroad and undermining them in the nation, it's disingenuous lip service. But change my mind. What has Grinnell had? Jeff Dunce, another gay man my pride in Grinnell is based on the fact that he's a great ambassador to Germany and that's what's important by the way how are LGBTQ rights being undermined in the US exactly you know what answers he got nothing nothing because they don't have anything There's, there's nothing there the only thing he's done is transgender in the military because that's what military people wanted. It's a huge difference between gay and transgender. Transgender is a mental disease, folks. Mental disease. It's stated as nauseam. Sorry, Matt Norrigan, who listens to every episode. If you don't know who the fuck you are, how do you defend the country? You don't know who you are. Last time I, time I checked, getting shot at and mortared is pretty serious shit. It's worse than social media outrage or somebody saying something inappropriate. Google Insider leaks 950 pages laptop to the Justice Department. Be interesting to see... What the fuck's in that? I had to throw it somewhere. It got thrown there. Because we needed a break to catch our breath, right? Because here we go into round two. Mattel releases releases gender-neutral dolls to meet demand from children. Does anyone believe there's a demand? Mommy? Mommy? I want a gender-neutral Barbie doll. Yeah, that's, that's happening everywhere. Jesus Christ. Toy company Mattel on Wednesday launched a new line of dolls that are gender inclusive because you know kids everywhere are demanding them. Called Creatable World, the line allows children to interchange hair clothes accessories on the dolls, meaning they can be both male and female. Last time I checked, they're not a... Barbie's got some boobs, but Ken's never had a dick. I'm just throwing it out there. G.I. Joe didn't have a dick. Nobody has genitalia. But okay, we see this line as an opportunity to open up that dialogue around the dolls are and for what who dolls are," said Kim Kamone, senior vice president of Mattel Dolph Designs. And also, as the world begins to celebrate the positive impact of inclusivity, we have absolutely fundamental belief it was time to launch a doll line free of labels and free of rules for kids. In real speak, 
we decided to go after that 0.07% of the market, plus the other 4% of gay people and the 10% of the world that's really into it. So we're kind of thinking 10% overall because the 0.7 and the 4% are already built in. So we're going to get 10% of the market and pander. Okay. The company says the new line is a response to demands. Kids don't want their toys dictated by gender norms. Yeah. I hear that everywhere. Mattel consulted pediatricians on how to make the dolls gender neutral, including pediatricians and author Karen Naderson. Naderson praised Mattel, saying, A collection like this just knocks down every barrier to play. Through research, we heard that kids don't want their toys dictated by gender norms. This line allows all kids to express themselves freely, which is why it resonates so strongly. We hope... We're hopeful Creatable World will encourage people to think more broadly about how all kids can benefit from Dell Play. The toy company said it works alongside a dedicated team of experts, parents, physicians, and most importantly, kids. The doll sets for sells for thirty fucking bucks. Bucks. Thirty bucks. For a genderless doll. The company touted the new product on Twitter, linking to a story by Time magazine. They're so not biased. And this is the story. I, I got to read this whole thing. I'm so sorry. A child opens a box. He starts jumping and screaming with joy. Not an unusual sound in the halls of Mattel's headquarters where researchers test new toys. But this particular toy is a doll, and it's rare for parents to bring a boy into these research groups to play with the doll. It's rare still for a boy to immediately attach himself to one the way Shia's just did. Shiaz? Okay. An eight-year-old is a totally normal kid, not brainwashed by his kid parents. Nope. An eight-year-old who considers himself gender-fluid and his favorite color is black one week, pink the next. Shiaz sometimes play with his younger sister's doll at home, but they're girly princess stuff, he says. This doll, which is prepubescent body and childish features, looks more like him right down to the wave of bleach blonde bangs. The hair is just like mine, Shiaz says. What kind of fucked up name is that shit? Swinging his head in tandem with the doll, then he turns to playmate in toy testing room, a seven-year-old girl named Jahas. J-H-A-S-A. Fucking, can't you just name your kids normal shit? We just fucking, let's throw some letters together and a vowel. This isn't fucking goddamn Wheel of Fortune. Name your kids something. Should I put on the girl's hair? Shiaz fits a long blonde wig on the doll's head and suddenly it's no longer an avatar for him, but for his sister. Mattel's first promotional spot for the $29.99 product features a series of kids who go by various pronouns. Him, her, them, exum, and the slogan, a doll line designed to keep labels out they invite everyone in. With the overt nod to trans and non-binary identities, the company's betting on where it thinks the country is going, even if it means alienating a substantial portion of the population. A few research conducted in 2017 showed that while 76% of the public support parents steering girls to toys and activities traditionally associated with boys, only 64% endorse steering boys towards toys and activities associated with girls. Of course, they didn't do the statistics that it's only 0.07% of the fucking population who's got a fucking mental illness, nor did they go with, yeah, we're not calling our fucking kid Shias. S-H-I-A-S. That's the name. Nor do we think it's okay for the parents to pump their kids with the opposite hormone their body takes. 
Hmm. And then I got to print that shit. To crime! Man faces drug weapons charge after overdose. This is scary as shit. This happened in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and they went into his car. He had an IED in that motherfucker. Oh, that's fucking not good. Video shows inmate catch contraband package dropped by a drone in the yard. I was wondering when that was going to happen. A college student died in his dorm room. Took almost two months for anyone to notice. That's fucking horrible. That had to stink. Video. I'm covering this one. Because this one just fucking pissed me off. Teen boys sucker punch middle-aged man at fair. Spit on lifeless body. 59-year-old man has died from injuries suffered during an attack by two teenage brothers. Prompted by the man's refusal to give them a dollar. John Weed was attending a Great Frederick Fair in Maryland on Friday with his family when he was approached by the teens, 15 and 16-year-old. According to the prosecution, the 15-year-old sucker punch Weed has refused to give him a dollar, knocking him unconscious. Video evidence of the attack shows chaos and laughter in the moments after Weed hit the pavement. One of the boys spits on his body. Medics flew the victim, R. Adams Cowley Shock Trauma Center in Baltimore, reported on Monday, Weed succumbed to his injuries. I think it's despicable and it tells me a lot about how these young people view this person by the very fact after they had him on the ground, they taunted and spit on him, Sheriff Chuck Jennings said, according to 4NBC Washington. That to me shows hatred and disgust and despise. The 15-year-old teen who landed the sucker punch has been charged with first-degree assault, second-degree assault, and reckless endangerment. His 16-year-old brother landed a second-degree assault charge, according to authorities. The attackers are being charged as juveniles, but prosecution might push for teens to be tried as adults. This should be manslaughter, because he died. I've been doing this for close to 30 years, said Frederick County State Attorney Charlie Smith. There are plenty of times where good people make bad decisions, but when they result in somebody's death, you get punished. When Sheriff Jenkins was asked by a porter what the appropriate punishment should be for the boys, given their age, he said the maximum. They made an adult decision by doing what they did, and it ended up with man losing his life, his sister losing a brother. Whatever he said, they deserve the maximum penalty. No, whatever he said, they deserve the maximum penalty. The video of the vicious attack picked up traffic online on Sunday. However, the account that initially posted the video erroneously framed the attack as black teens defending themselves from a white supremacist. The video post had been viewed over 230 times. The way they framed it, because once again, you can't show black youth doing anything wrong or you get labeled a racist. A white supremacist tried to racially antagonize a group of black kids at Frederick Fair. He started calling them the N-word, and one of the kids, fearing for his life, punched the racist man. The white supremacist later died, and two innocent black victims were charged. However, as reported by the Frederick News Post, a sheriff's office release revealed that the investigator responded to the scene interviewed witnesses indicate the attack was on the man was completely unprovoked. Church of Ogden, an African-American Baptist church, they are ones that spread it also. The Great Frederick Fair released a statement following the brutal incident emphasizing its commitment to safety. The Great Frederick's Fair number one priority is safety and security of our guests to dispel rumors of the event last night. While there was an assault, there was no shooting and no stabbing. The team of security and law enforcement was able to respond rapidly to control and contain the incident. The investigation of the incident remains active, and any further information regarding the assault will be released from the sheriff's office. So, I want to hammer this home before we go into This is America. If that was a black man and white teens beat him to death because that's what's happened, this would be national news. 
but it wasn't. It wasn't. And the reason why it's down here and not in our hate section is because this has just happened and it showed up last night late. But even in the system, they're not being charged with what would happen if a white person did it. It would be a what? What's the word, folks? Hate crime. Yeah. We're not charging this as a hate crime. They're not even getting manslaughter. They killed a guy over a dollar. Just a random stranger. We as a society should not tolerate this. So, due to time constraints, we're going to pop straight in to our This Is America. I have two. One is going to be Chuck Todd literally shilling for Biden when this would be fair game if it was a conservative. You would be asking, what is that kid doing over there? But no, no. This is him being a liberal on the show that used to be the only nonpartisan show on the network, on any network, Meet the Press, literally lambasting a conservative for daring to question what would be a political question. What is your son doing in the Ukraine? And then we have a story that just shows cancel culture Fuck all you people. This is just fucking horrible. So, enjoy. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last sound bite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. But here's where I find all this, all this stuff, um, a bunch of, of, it's hard to believe on the Hunter It's hard to believe the, the, the concern about Hunter Biden by, by some of these folks that are making this case. If they were so serious about this, I'm trying to figure out why nobody from the FBI has been contacted. Do you see why I'm skeptical that they, I, that, that the Hunter Biden stuff mm-hmm. is really that serious? If they were serious about it, you go to the FBI. You don't go to mm-hmm. uh, an oligarch in Ukraine. You do realize, Senator, that a lot of people have attempted to look into this and they haven't found a there there to look into it. Who? Who has? And, and, and that's the point here. You, you brought has? up the FBI. Who, who, who's, who's looked into it, Chuck? Uh, apparently the Ukrainian government. Apparently every oh, every mainstream okay. Ukrainian journalist. Plenty of people oh, here. Okay. We've all looked into it. I'm sorry. Wait, that, has, that has MSNBC, you do realize, MSNBC looked yes, sir, into it? You do realize huh? you're looking for an outcome, not the facts. That's what you keep no, telling me. No, There have no, been four your, or five different entities that have found nothing here. Who? I just told you. And they're not good enough for you. They're not good enough for you. Wait, you said Ukraine. I said Ukrainian journalists have. The Ukrainian government has. I am am trying to be fair here, but you can't gaslight us, sir. Don't gaslight us. I'm not gaslighting you. I'm telling you the facts. Do you deny those facts about that? Do you think they got Hunter Biden's name off ZipRecruiter? I don't. And I don't think the American people do either. I'm not alleging an impropriety. I'm saying we need to look into it. What I'm telling you is the president of the United States is the one who violated the Constitution, perhaps, not Hunter Biden. 
And Hunter well, Biden for, didn't do it. We don't know if Hunter Biden even for, did. Perhaps is the, is the operative term and, because and more you don't know. And more importantly. And I don't know because we haven't seen the transcript. And if you're going to be fair here, you're going to have to investigate everybody. And the president and, it's been done. and the former vice president. No, and, it hasn't, Chuck. No, I, no we, it hasn't, Chuck. We're going to have now, to leave now, it at I, now, look, now you, I, I'm I, not going to sit I, here and defend Hunter Biden and defend lobbying well, doing and defend any of that stuff. Maybe maybe he should hire you. You're doing a but good I'm job, not here, my friend. No, I'm not here to allow a false equivalency to take over, sir. That's, why that's is the it problem a false with, equivalency? Our, with our politics. Why, tell, me, tell me why it's a false equivalency. That is a journalist, supposedly. Chief political journalist. He's not a shell. He's a journalist. He's not an activist. He's a journalist. But to our big This Is America summing up, Carson King. With all the donations my college game day sign for Bush beer has received, I'll be donating all but enough for a case of Bush Light to Iowa Children's Hospital. We're at almost $1,600 right now. Cyclone, blah, 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 Venmo, Carson King 25. He raised over $1 million for the school or for the, uh, the hospital. $1 million dollars but with fame comes cancel culture barstool sports kid with bush lights supply needs replenished venmo and carson king 25 sign on college game day gets over one million dollars gives all of it except for one case of beer to children's hospital ui stead family children hospital can't think our minds are blown by all this thank you for everyone who helped reach this milestone we're so grateful Seems like a heartwarming story, doesn't it? Wrong. Here comes the milkshake dunking via De- Des Moines Register reporter Aaron Calvin, who dug up a few old tweets from when King was 16 from the Washington Post. King's social media missteps came to light after Calvin, a trending news reporter at the Register, delved far back into the casino security guard's old tweets. Calvin discovered two tweets from 2012, written when King was in high school, that the Register described as racist jokes, one comparing black mothers to gorillas, and another making light of black people killed in the Holocaust. When Calvin asked King about the tweets, he told the reporter seeing them made him feel sick. Carol Roth. Hey, this Carson King guy raised $1 million for Children's Hospital. Let's see if we can find anything bad he might have posted as a teenager and spoil this kindness for everyone. Seriously, what is wrong with people? Who does this? Who thinks this way? Get a life. Why, Calvin, thought Carson King needed a routine social media check-in going back eight years because of his generosity is beyond me. If you're bored at work, find a story. Don't try to ruin people. Andrew Klosser, a few minutes trying to find the offensive tweets that got Andrew Bush, Anheuser-Busch to drop King, and I can't find them. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. This is war. Carson King apologizes after hurtful and embarrassing tweets surface. KCCC, KCCI News, Anheuser-Busch to cut ties with Carson King over multiple offensive social media posts. Two. Darren Ravel, do you believe Anheuser-Busch was right in disassociation from Game Day Children's Hospital fundraiser Carson King for distasteful tweets written eight years ago and unearthed by the Des Moines Register? Yes, 
9% of the country know 91. Because 9% of the country are the people that can't win arguments, don't like the world the way it is, and they go after people because this is the only power they have. Social media cancel culture. Carson King, the Des Moines Register has been nothing but kind to all the coverage, and I appreciate the reporter pointing out the post to me. I want everyone to understand that this was my decision to publicly address this post and apologize. I believe this is the right thing to do. And he also goes through a whole thing of saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was a kid, blah, 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 blah. Now, let's look at the Des Moines Register reporter, Yashir Ali. If Carson King has been defiant about two tweets from when he was 16 or doubled down, I would get why the Register would mention them, but according to the paper, he was deeply remorseful. I failed to see how it was newsworthy, especially given the good work he's been doing. With respect to the story, the Register and the reporter, Aaron P. Calvin, don't deserve this level of kindness, but here we are. What a hypocritical disgrace. If you're going to pull up someone's old tweet, write about them, and you have old racist tweets of your own, at least have the courage to take the heat, Aaron P. Calvin. He blocked him, by the way. Michael Saranovich. I want to grow up and read sex scenes to high schoolers. Can I be a great instructor at your theater camp teaching the kids how to abuse substance and turn tricks? Both quotes from Aaron Calvin. It's literally a tweet. They, they show them. Camarco. A Des Moines Register reporter digs up tweets on a 16-year-old Carson King, the dude who raised a million dollars for child cancer, and prepares to expose himself. The internet does their own digging on the reporter, and guess what they find? Only if you're a fart face yourself, like how only black people can use the N-word or gay people can use the F-word. Too many of these nigga bitches nowadays don't pardon my French. Hey, just wanted to say that I've deleted previous tweets that have been inappropriate or sensitive. I apologize for not holding myself to the same high standards as the register holds other. This is from The Ruth. The Root. Fuck the NYPD. But the damage is already done. He ruined a kid's life. Ruined them. Just because. It's what they do. If it's a white person, we gotta dig. We have to do it. It's our job as reporters to ruin non-progs lives. But we, oh, we can say whatever the fuck we want. And it's displayed every podcast. From Al Sharpton to the 1619 lady... Jesus, they're outright racist. They're anti-Semitic people. But they're the ones you bring on TV and the media goes, oh, no, they're, 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 they are beyond reproach. They are the perfect people. They need to lecture America on how we need to live our lives. But they themselves are pieces of fucking shit. And I just was, I don't know why I was shocked because I shouldn't be. This is what we are now. We don't do great things in America. We don't accomplish things. We as a country have never been more fractured because a group of people decided America's bad and they framed it in their politics 
the media framed it and every reporting they did, all reporting they do. And we went out to just say, you know, everybody's bad. Everything's bad. The world's bad because we didn't win a fucking election. You didn't see this under Obama. You saw everybody's racist because if you disparage the dear one, you're a fucking racist. But this is their world now. I've said it since the invention of the internet back in my days at WSMV Bitch Box, which turned into a forum. My years on U.S. politics online, an old chat board. The internet is for the left. They don't want you there. They want an echo chamber. They own the media. Then the internet let people get out there and speak opposing opinions. And they can't have that. So they have to shut you down. And they shut you down by taking everything that you ever said, construing it some way. And here's a kid with two tweets when he was 16. But they've done it to college football players. They've done it to pro athletes. They've done it to movie stars. And if you think about it, the only one that I know of is that short black dude. The funny guy. He's the only person of color that's been taken down. And he wasn't really taken down. He was just, you know, made to do the mea culpa. But this kid's life's ruined. Because social justice warriors make it their place to say what you can do and what you can think and what you can say. It's just like the vaping, which I wanted to talk about before we close this thing out. They took away cigarette smoking because they didn't like it. Now it's vaping. They got TV reports, first confirmed death from vaping. And now they're all going to regulate vaping. But they've regulated cigarettes, tobacco. They've regulated straws. They've regulated soda. They've regulated corn syrup. They've regulated food you can eat. And then on top of it, They deregulate marijuana. I mean, seriously. It's like the left just goes with whatever their base wants them to do. And they all want to get stoned, but they don't want you to vape now. And who made it their place? Who hired them or asked them for their fucking opinion on anything? We talk about the divide in the country. The divide isn't here because of conservatives, Christians, or normal folk of all ethnicities. It's from do-getter, do-gooder, city-dweller, bubble-living fucking Chia Pet libs who've decided they don't like the world the way it is. They want it to be their world. And then they go out and they regulate it. They legislate it. They report on it. Then you watch. It's bad now. November 9, 2020. If Trump wins, conservatives hold the Senate. Sweet God. We're fucked. I mean, we're fucked, folks. It is going to be horrible. 
So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Make sure you check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and the Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. I'm going to go dark, going on vacation, going to leave the bunker. Head down to Pensacola. Our next show will be 7 October, Year of Our Lord, 2019. Until then, go to the back catalog. Plenty of podcasts, over 300 and some odd online. Listen to the old ones. Some of them are entertaining. The quality is a little less better and the very early ones if you haven't listened to those. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. And tune back in on the 7th for another show. And I promise by then, hopefully... The acoustics will be even better because I'm going to box this bad boy in. As always, folks, thank you for listening and take care. I will leave you with a moment of zen where I'll be come Sunday afternoon.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.